Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and... You feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Welcome to the 4th Line Boys Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 41 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How you guys doing? Another Sunday. So that course around here, that's another Vault episode. Today's guest um, was actually, I think it was my last episode that I ever did on my old platform. Uh, Tristan Grant, former Vancouver Giant, uh, Philadelphia Flyer. Uh, it was a fun fun guest. Um, I remember getting the old Giants footage from my friends out there and, uh, and, and really quickly becoming a fan of Tristan's play. Uh, didn't back down from anybody. He was the captain, uh, big hitter. Uh, <laughs> his snapping on Dustin Slade was pretty good. Um, but no, I, I became an instant uh, kind of Tristan Grant fan, so it was it was fun to follow his career. And um, yeah, no, we talk about it all. You know how we do it around here. We uh, turn over every stone. So, uh, you know, we talk about the Manitoba League, uh, playing there, and then uh, Nipawa, and and then of course on to the on to the dub and then uh the American League and the NHL. So it was it was really fun talk and uh no, I'm I'm glad to to have the opportunity to put it back up. I was like I said when my website went down, all the interviews were gone. Um that was really disappointing. So to have the opportunity here on the network to uh to to relaunch those episodes has been really cool. And cuz like I said the guys took out the time to 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 talk, to sit down and talk, you know, I want to get them back up. So uh and like I said, this is episode forty-one. If uh, you know, if you're if you're new because you're a Tristan Grant fan and you're just tuning in for the first time, welcome. Thank you for listening. Um, please go back and check out the back catalog. I've talked to John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Brad Wingfeld, um, Joey Tedarenko, Roman Volpat, on and on. And uh, you know, I I always say I'll. And I don't mean to sound arrogant or anything, but I mean, I will put up my interviews up against anybody. I mean, they're in depth. We tell good stories. And, uh, you know, I really, really timeline it and really get in depth with the guys. And, uh, you really get to learn a lot about them and their career. And, uh, 
yeah, and so I, like I said, I encourage anybody to go back and, and, and check them out. And of course, uh, uh, every Wednesday is new content, and of course, every Sunday is the Vault episodes. And uh, lot this past Wednesday, I had Jay on from Quad City, a fellow fight fan, and he's been around since Quad City got their the original Mallards, and uh, you know, through their United League and IHL and AHL and Southern Pro days, and of course, the characters that have gone through Quad Cities as well as just those leagues in general. Um, we talk about all that and uh, throw out lots of good names and uh, if you're a fan of the Miners, uh, I think you'll really enjoy that episode. Jay's just and Jay's just a good dude to talk to and I brought it up before. I, I, I don't know why I never had him on before. It was kind of silly, but uh, he will certainly be on again and um, no, it's great. And uh, like I said, this uh, we're a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, all the NHL teams are represented on the network so whatever you're Whatever, uh, fa- whatever team you're a fan of, check out that network, the, the show and, and, uh, as well as Terry Ryan's on the, on the network. And, uh, you know, TR always, always brings it, always tells good stories. Got a new book coming out. Um, I think you can pre-order it right now. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that because Terry Ryan's first book was awesome. Tales of a First Round Nothing. If you have never read it, I highly recommend that you do. And actually, if you go on Twitter, Terry Ryan's on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. I mean, Terry's all over social media. Just look him up and get a hold of it. I mean, he'll sell you the book directly, um, you know, autograph for you and all that. And GR is just a good dude to talk to anyway. So um, highly recommend that. It's a great, great book, too. And, um, yeah. And, uh other than that, um, uh, of course, uh, Alec over at Five for Fighting uh, just put up his uh, interview with uh, former uh, Danbury Trashers uh, GM AJ Galante. I mean, of course, uh, legends. The stories of the Trashers are are legendary. They're only around for a couple years, but kind of uh, you know uh, the the rumors of mob run and everything, and uh, the the. The old man put his uh, at that time eighteen year old son in charge of uh, the general manager of the team, and uh, I've not had a chance to listen to the interview. Alex just put it up, but I'm gonna I'll be listening to it on the truck on Monday, and uh, really looking forward to it. And uh, you know that crazy crazy scene out in Danbury, and uh, and then of course. Uh, you know, like I said before, Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, he interviews the Islanders and Foresters, just getting back into it. So, uh, Joe's, Joe's always, uh, Joe, Joe always brings it, does great shows. And, uh, yeah, other than that, and I know, uh, Bobby Longgrass over at the Bucket Drop podcast, I think he's, uh, he's done for the season now, um, until the new year. Um, but I was on his show a few times as well as Alec, and, uh, I believe his, uh, his last episode was with Daniel Amesbury, uh, speaking of minor league guys, um, and it, you know that was a fun talk, and uh, yeah, so check him out as well as uh, you know he does he sells the hats for charity, uh, the bucket drop hats. Uh, like I said, get a hold of him on social media. Um, all the money raised, I think it's twenty twenty five bucks a hat or something. Um, all the money goes to um, the children's uh, home in uh, Cornwall. Um, for abused children and uh, yeah so he's doing great stuff over there I got my lid sitting here and uh, no that's uh, Bobby's always doing good work like that but uh, other than that um, yeah I know my interview here with Tristan's fairly fairly lengthy so I, I, I won't talk too long here uh, I do have to throw out of course a sponsor before you hit fast forward I know you guys are into jerseys a lot of you and uh, I know a lot of you have already used this promo code and it's really cool I'm glad I could bring it to you it's brought to you by the network um, it's coolhockey.com they've been around since 1999 they're NHLPA endorsed and um, 
yeah, it's thirty percent off and free shipping. They're out of Toronto, and um, like I said, I was when I was at the mall there at Jersey City a while back. They wanted three hundred dollars for the jerseys, you know, and it's whoever they have. Like they, have, you know, they have Crosby and Price and McDavid and blah blah blah. But um, if you, I mean, you can get those guys off called cool hockey as well. But I mean, if you wanted something customized or an older player or what have you, I mean, you can hand sew and, and put whatever you want on there. I mean. Joe, who I was just talking about, the Big Islander fan. I mean, he's he's looking to get a Amirius Tchaikovsky jersey, and like he was saying, you know, hand sewn with the jer- with the fight strap and the whole deal. How can you beat it? Like I said, one eighty five ninety nine free shipping out of Toronto, Canadian. Come on, like I said, they're three hundred dollars at the mall and at the Olympian here. And that's before tax. So, I mean, this is pretty much like half price. So, if you like I said, if you use the promo code THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network, upon checkout, um, yeah, 30% off and free shipping. So, um, what more What more can one man do for you? And like I said, I've talked to people that have, have used cool, coolhockey.com. Uh, everything is advertised, came, they really love the product. And, uh, yeah, so, like I said, I'm not going to... Start promoting them on my show if, if uh, you know, without doing some background checks. So I, I went and asked the Jersey folks, and uh, and no, all checked out, all good. So yeah, thpn at checkout, coolhockey.com and thirty uh, percent off, free shipping. So there you go. But yeah, guys. Other than that, um, I just before we get going, I just want to say I appreciate everybody on the on the on the Twitter machine there, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, as well as on YouTube. Twenty two hundred fight videos. Go check it out. Please subscribe and uh, hit the bell notification. That way, you won't miss a single punch when I upload fights. But uh, from junior to pro, got them all on there. In fact, my guest here, Tristan Grant, there's a bunch of his fights on there. So please check them out. Um, yeah, no, it was, uh, my birthday on the 17th and I appreciated all the, um, the well wishes. Um, unfortunately, yeah. <coughs> oh, how ironic. Um, unfortunately, um, on my, on that day, we were told that, uh, we possibly could have been exposed to the COVID. And, uh, so I, I proceeded to spend two hours in a drive through covid testing line um which did not please me very much and of course that delayed plans on going over to my uh, parents house for uh, a little birthday get together uh, you know for some barbecue and beers with my brother and my dad who uh, my brother i don't get a chance to hang out with very often and uh my nieces and stuff so i was uh unable to do that until i got the results of my test and uh, which came back negative today uh fortunately but um I didn't want to expose anybody, and uh, of course, with my wife um, being high risk, it was a little tense around here, um, but uh, fortunately, uh, everything came back negative, so that's good, um, but yeah, just real frustrating, and the circumstances around it were really frustrating, especially the person who put us at risk, um, you know, has been often overheard saying that the virus isn't real and it's a hoax, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so, when all of a sudden you get exposed by that person, um, it is very frustrating. So, I was not a happy person on Thursday. And uh, all I ask is, please, let's listen to health officials. Um, I know it's frustrating for everybody, and there are certainly some overboard rules. I completely agree with you on that. But at the same time, could we please, uh, you know, let's just wear our masks and distance and wash our hands and do the best that we can. 
It's not a hoax. You don't just take vitamin D and just walk out into the world. You idiot on Twitter. You know, if you're listening, you know who you are. I didn't, I didn't block you because I don't like facts because you didn't supply any facts. First of all, um, vitamin D and, uh, let's just open everything up is ridiculous. And that would explain why you guys have the issues that you're having. And, uh, that type of thinking is dangerous and stupid because it continually backfires over and over and over again. And like I said, when you have hundreds of thousands of people that are dead and it's dismissed as, well, it's, only that to me is very callous and uh because that was someone's parents brothers sisters and uh to dismiss their death as just oh well is um yeah i don't even want to comment on that that's just ridiculous so no you were blocked because you're a big mouth and you argue about everything anyway and you've been that way since the fried chicken days and you're just a nuisance and fuck off so I'm, I don't want to listen. I don't want to read your idiocy. So uh, let's listen to the health professionals, not uh, politicians and uh, MMA podcasters, please. Okay. Yes. There. I'll get off my soapbox now. But please, all I'm asking is, uh, you know, uh, let's just be safe for everybody and courteous to everybody and listen to the doctors, please. That's really not, you know, that's just common sense. Come on. Come on, folks. Stop making everything political put politics aside this is about health but um yeah let's stop talking about that but nonetheless i hope everyone out there is uh staying safe and healthy and um i know it's frustrating and we all want things to get better and they will eventually but uh, we all have to work together let's stop the selfishness so uh but yes enough of that let's let's move let's get rolling here with the show um yeah I'll just stop talking. Let's go. This is my conversation with Tristan Grant. Thanks, guys. All right, here on the Fourth Line Voice podcast, all the way down in Michigan, uh, I have former Vancouver Giant, uh, Philadelphia Flyer, Milwaukee Admiral, Phantom, Mallard, lots of things. But uh, Tristan Grant on the line. Tristan, how are you doing today? I'm doing doing pretty good. Pretty good. Uh kind of finished shoveling my smoke uh, a couple hours ago, kind of warm up. My daughter's having a nap right now. My wife is is out of the house, so uh, pretty good after, pretty good Saturday afternoon. Well, I was going to say, you would have had silence, except I had to break it up with a phone call and get you to talk some old hockey. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we're like I tell all the guys, we're going to, uh, we're going to start at the beginning. We'll timeline your career. We'll, uh, I know it was a hell of a journey. Uh, you know, you know, 12 year, 13 year pro and five year in the Western Hockey League. So we'll, uh, we'll start at the beginning. Uh, you grew up in Manitoba in, uh, Nipawa. Did you, uh, born and raised and played your minor hockey there? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, Obviously, is a small farming community. Everyone's, you know, farmers or, you know, tradesmen, small business owner. Uh, my dad is a truck driver, still is to this day. Uh, my mom was, uh, for the first probably, I think it was about the first 13, 14 years of my life, my mom was a dog groomer. Um, you know, she raised us. And uh, then uh, by time I was about to go go out west they bought a rental company for you know the big tents for outdoor weddings and such so uh uh pounding stakes and uh doing heavy heavy lifting and uh was it was part of my off-season training for sure well there you go um well you're uh, i was just looking it up you're an eighth round bantam draft pick by lethbridge um 
at that time, did um, were you just playing bats? Were you playing AAA? Did you play any AAA? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I got drafted um, out of the, the Manitoba Midget AAA the team. I played as a, I guess it was like a fourteen year old. Uh, I think I was one of the few of that age. I think the other guy was uh, a guy named Ian White. Obviously, had a long, uh, long, good uh, NHL career. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was kind of you know when I when I was once I kind of got into that body contact. Well, you know, like even even like in, in minor hockey, like. Um, you know, elementary school, I was always kind of like a physical kid and such. And, uh, you know, I was just a little more advanced physically. And, uh, so by the time I was, you know, you know, starting to get hair, a little bit hair on the chest and everything, I was kind of, already, you know, a little bit ahead of the head of the game, uh, physically. So when I was playing, you know, PB hockey, bantam hockey, the body checking, it was definitely, you know, I was hurting a lot of kids, and even when I went in and played against, uh, you know, 17, 18-year-olds in, in the AAA midget team, you know, I was definitely still, like, somewhat of a physical force and everything, so I was definitely developed in that way. Um, um, you know, sometimes when I look back, I kind of wish I didn't maybe jump into midget so quickly. You know, I kind of managed to do that a couple mistakes like that, because I... Uh, even when I got sent back from, from Lethbridge uh, as a six-year-old for the first part of the season, I went back and played triple and midget um, for a couple weeks. And uh, it really just wasn't a challenge. I felt like I needed to go play junior A to, to get back in, in Lethbridge, and that's going to end up doing, um, you know. So it's uh, I kind of, uh, being an eighth-rounder, I, I kind of was still disappointed. I think I kind of went through a little bit, bit of a strange of a, Strange uh, growth spurt. I think my um, stride kind of get a little messy. I wasn't a great, great skater, but you know I was, uh, you know I was able to play physical and uh, kind of muck and grind. So I think that pretty much uh, started to pave my way what I was what I was into for the next twenty years or so. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, like you said, yeah. So you go to Lethbridge Camp, um, you know, and I mean, if you're a Western kid. I mean, you know, everyone has dreams of the Western Hockey League and. Uh, um, and like you said, like you were saying, you're, you're physical growing up. So, I mean, obviously con- you didn't shy away from contact in terms of the fighting. Did you do anything to like prepare for that? Or like, did you box or anything or was it just, uh, you know, oh, here, no. we, go. here we go. Helmets off. Let's get no. out. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Like, like I said, we're going back to like elementary school. There's definitely some, co- you know, I was never a bully in, in school and anything like that. I was definitely like, uh, sticking up for kids. Uh, that was just something that kind of came naturally to me. And, uh, you know, I, there was a lot of battles I had in the playground that was like, you know, kind of giving it back to the bullies, you know, whether I was getting picked on or all my friends, I was always kind of wouldn't, wasn't going to take shit, any shit. So, uh, I kind of just always had that, that attitude that I wasn't going to shy away and I was going to stand up for what I, what I believed in. And, uh, you know, growing up like in, uh, you know, in Nepal, Manitoba, we played a lot of street hockey. We played, you know, uh, you know, all, all kinds of sports and everything. And we always, uh, dreamed of, you know, scoring the big goals and everything. So, um, growing up, uh, dreaming of like scoring off center ice was definitely not one of those, one of those dreams. But, uh, I remember, I think, I think my actual first fight, um, I think I was a 50 year old. I was gonna, I was gonna, like a prospect prospects camp right after the draft so he went to Lethbridge and ended up um I think there was another 16 year old a guy who was older than me um he was kind of being a bully then I I uh ended up 
having a good scrap with him for my very first fight. So that kind of definitely grew, grew some confidence. And, um, you know, I remember going back and having, really, having another good year in a AAA midget. And, uh, you know, but fell a little bit short uh, as a six-year-old, but uh, went back into playing junior A and uh, um, kind of just that, that, you know, the Manitoba Junior League is a pretty, pretty rough team. So as oh, yeah. a six-year-old, I was, I was by far the toughest guy on my team. And we had about uh, 11 or 12 20-year-olds on that team. So it was kind of one of those things. I, I definitely had a bit of a chip on my shoulder, and I think I had something to prove. And, uh, you know, I was a freshly 16-year-old that was uh, – a lot of testosterone that day, so uh, <laughs> yeah. you know you play a little, play a rough game like that in a rough league like the Manitoba Junior League, and uh, things kind of just developed from there. So, well, like you, okay, well you brought it up, so let's get into it here. So the Manitoba Junior League, otherwise, you know, some and in some outposts, what we called jungle back in the day, uh, <laughs> and it was certainly no shortage back when you were there. So sixteen years old, you roll. Well, first of all, how cool was it to be playing for your hometown team? Or was that a dis? Or did you like that? Or did, would you rather have been gone? Well, like you no, know, growing up, my uncle played some hockey for the the junior A team in town, and a lot of guys are still like came to Newport to play junior hockey, or or they're even like local products that played for the for the natives team. I mean, I remember going, you know, to uh, Friday night games as a kid with all my friends and watching junior A teams. You know, it's yeah. like hey, like you know, at one point it was just like, man, if I if I grow up and uh, play for the natives one day, it's like my my life will be set and, and complete. So <laughs> there's definitely a, a time that I, you know that's what I thought. So um, I, I admired my uh, my uncle a lot when he played hockey, and I uh, I was fortunate enough to, to wear the same number as him. So you know, for me that was pretty special. Um, you know, but as soon as I got there, I was just like, you know, this is great and everything, you know, but uh, definitely still had like Lethbridge in, in the, the back of my mind, and that's where I wanted to go. So, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. At, at times as a, as a six year old, I, I wasn't really getting a lot of, uh, I wasn't really getting a lot of ice time. So I think that's when I go back to thinking like maybe it would have been better to stay in, in AAA midget and uh, maybe develop a different part of my game. But it's hard to go back now and say like, well, hey, if, you know, you know, I, I was pretty blessed to, to play as long as I did. So who knows, like how it would have worked out any other way. So uh, it's kind of one of those things. You know, I was a six-year-old, and I was trying to prove a point and uh, you know hold my own. Well, and in that league, and hey, I, I love me some junior A. And the junior A hockey is tremendous hockey out there for anybody listening. Um, made you know, so lots of guys go on to college and stuff from the junior A league. Manitoba, Saskatchewan, BC. Love, love the junior A circuit, but uh, at that at that time there was also no shortage of toughness. And uh, I'm going to throw some names at you. Well, first of all, when you're in Nipawa and you got to roll into OCN, anybody want <laughs> OCN? So you're rolling up, and people will listen. Go back and listen to my interview with Steve McIntyre, who was playing for OCN at that time. So you roll into yep. OCN to top it all off. They're coached by Kerry Clark. So there's number one. Yep. Now you got Terrence Tutu, Darcy Johnson, yep. Ryan Braun, mm-hmm. and Steve McIntyre. Like, are you yep. kidding me? And here you are at 16, rolling into OCN. You had yeah. to be shitting, shaking like a dog shitting peach seeds, rolling into OCN. You know, it was, it was, yeah, it was kind of strange. Like, I, I remember those bus trips. They had top teams. Oh. And, uh, being from Nipah, like, uh, I don't know how this is going to sound, but we played a lot of minor hockey against uh, teams on res- reservations yep. and uh, 
you know, towns next next to that, and uh, they're known just for like their tough skin, gritty style, you know, in all sports. It wasn't doesn't matter if it was hockey or baseball or or football, whatever it was. You know, they were they were like a, a cutthroat type of people, very very prideful. So, uh, you know, going into OCA wasn't really any different. So yeah, I remember uh, Steve McIntyre. I was like, I didn't fight him, but I fought Bronny a couple times, and I. I remember I had a great fight with Bronny in OCN, and uh, I think that uh, I, you know, I recall that was probably, you know, probably earlier in my uh, junior A career that uh, I kind of gained some serious confidence. It's like, hey, here's one of the, the toughest teams in, in all of junior A hockey, and uh, yep. here I am. Like, I, you know, I'm not really intimidated about it anymore. So uh, that was definitely kind of one of those turning points, you know, com- especially coming in as a six year old, you know, fighting, you know, 19, 20 year old guys so what uh yeah i remember that there's a lot of guys that got the ocn flu oh yeah you know, a couple 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 days before when the bus is warming up to <laughs> leave yep. the yellowhead arena and, and Nippon. guys are like oh boy so uh yeah, yeah. there was it was it was different man it was crazy it, it kind of you know tell stories about it now i'm just like man like you don't you don't even get it <laughs> oh yeah well you talk to guys here that played in the sj and that's like when they used to have to go yeah. to Flimflon, and it was the same thing, right? Oh, yeah. You're rolling into Flimflon. A lot of pulled hamstrings going into Flimflon, apparently. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah well, an OCN, like you said, yeah, that's uh, proof. Well, and before we leave OCN, I just wanted to know, um, you know, um, unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, with the suicide and everything with Terrence Tutu, I mean, you know, Jordan's obviously talked about it and everything, but you got to play against him. How good was Terrence Tutu? Yeah, they're both like kind of just physically, just like these uh, these like little hot rods, the spark plugs, motor around. And uh, yeah, I remember playing against Terrence, and uh, they definitely, uh, you know, it, it was really easy to like those guys. You know, they're really good for the community. They're really good for the Aboriginal um, population. And uh, it's unfortunate, kind of just how that happened. You know, that happened in, I believe that happened in Brandon and I was, uh, you know, in the off season and everything. So it was uh, definitely kind of a, definitely a shocking thing when, you know, uh, a couple of years before you're kind of competing against this guy, you're sharing the same ice with him. Then, you know, you kind of have an uh, unfortunate uh, incident like that. It's definitely, uh, it kind of allows you to kind of black out, you know, the hockey and, and it really kind of brings you into reality of like what really matters and, and such. So, um, you know, um, and then I had the, had the pleasure of, uh, spending some time with Jordan down, uh, later in my career as well. So, uh, yeah. definitely kind of one of those things. And it's, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I follow Jordan on, on Twitter and, um, Instagram and stuff, things like that. And, uh, he's doing a great thing for, like I said, the, the Aboriginal, um, population. So it's, uh, uh, it's good to see someone like that who's such a, you know, a huge idol, um, you know, bringing aware, awareness. It's definitely a, a necessity move, moving forward. Absolutely. Well, you know, and yeah, especially Jordan doing great things, and, you know, sober now and, uh, you know, really uh, really seems to be rolling. But, uh, no, that's great. But, uh, well, yeah, other guys in the, in the Manitoba League. So, <coughs> well, that was OCN. Then we, you know, then you head down the road to Weiwei, and you got Cody McLeod out there. <laughs> You know, and yeah. then, you know, Swan Valley's got Curtis Tidbull and Jordan Roach. Oh, it's just good times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you, uh, yeah. <laughs> did you, uh, did you rumble against any of those guys? Uh, well, yeah, I, like Cody was my age, but Cody wasn't really, uh, yeah. 
he wasn't definitely a bell. He was like more of a skilled guy and everything. Even in the Western League when he played in Portland, he was like he wasn't like uh he wasn't really intimidating forwards. He's like a big body for yep. sure. Um so we grew up playing minor hockey against each other uh, quite a bit. Um but he didn't really go on his own until, you know, a couple of years into his pro career. But uh I I remember having a uh <laughs> I remember fighting Jordan, Jordan Roach uh, in Nipah one night and uh I think the score was uh, I think we're up by like six six, seven goals and my, my shithead of a coach threw me out there with like thirty seconds left, lying against uh, Jordan Roach and you know, the game was over. I think already I think I fought. I'm pretty sure I fought already during during that game, then Jordan comes out and he was a big dude and uh and, you know, I could tell he didn't have uh he didn't have his tie down on, didn't have any elbow pads and I was just like, Oh man So I kinda of skated away and you know, the game over and kinda of heading to go back to the the goalie to kinda of finish the game and then this and then this all hell broke loose and uh ended up having this like this absolute like blood blast bath with Jordan and uh I failed the first time I broke my nose, but I think I also split Jordan Jordan open a couple of times above the eyebrows as well and uh <laughs> that was uh you know he, i think at the time he was a 19 or 20 year old as well so i was definitely uh i don't know i my I, re- I recall my mom being at that game and she was not happy i think later that night uh she woke me up in the middle of the night and she threw a old deer steak on my face to, <laughs> to, 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 to prevent the swelling so uh and i remember going to school the next day i think yeah, i had the raccoon eyes he caught me right in the button and uh but uh, you know, I remember I, I, uh, I put up a, bit, a big fight, and I definitely won those uh, won those points again, turning points in my career that I gained a lot of experience and, uh, and definitely a lot of respect from you know fellow teammates and uh, opponents as well. So, yeah, well, absolutely. Well, so about halfway through, you get called you get called up to Lethbridge. So uh, yeah, so yeah. was that to uh, you know essentially help out Phil? I, I know Derek Parker. Um, was he there or was he gone by the time you got there or was that why you were coming? <laughs> That's why I was coming because, okay. uh, uh, well, Lethbridge in town, I think they had some injuries and such. I think Derek got suspended. Um, yeah. so they're short a guy and Brandon, you know, only being 45 minutes, you know, the draft pick. So usually when that happens, you know, they're, they're, they're bringing up a, a guy that was in camp or your property and you take a look at him and, uh, so that's, uh, they kind of gave me a call and, and, uh, you know, I was like, Hey, are you going to play a game with, you know, Brandon, you know, this weekend? And I was, I was super excited. Obviously, you know, growing up watching the Week Kings and, uh, um, that was a really ex- exciting uh, time, you know, uh, and then, um, I remember Michael Dick asking me like, Hey, how's the season going? And it's like, you know, like, uh, you know, it's all right, you know, like, get a little more ice time here and there. And he kind of just, like, randomly asked me, he's like, yeah, like, how many majors do you have? And not not knowing, like, what even the answer was. And I was just like, yeah, I don't know, I think I got, like, 20, 22, and this was before Christmas. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and he, I remember the look in his face, his eyebrows touched the top of his hairline, and I was just like, oh, okay. So, um so, yeah, I recall playing in Brandon and ended up playing a, a future teammate of mine, uh, Wade Scully, which is a really, also really tough Saskatchewan kid. So, yep. uh, I, I had a good showing and then, um, uh, I think a week later I was back in Lethbridge for the rest of the season. So it was kind of a quick turnaround like that. So, uh, 
I, uh, you know, I kind of seized the opportunity and uh, brought some element that they didn't have available with uh, the, what was going on with Derek Parker. And uh, like I said, I took advantage of it and just kind of just ran with it. Yeah, well, you know, you're, well, you're definitely filling in for a unique character in Parker, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> did, uh, did well, no, we won't, whatever, we won't get into that. But, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, did, well, for what a legendary coach, what was it like playing for Maxwell, Brian Maxwell? Oh, it was pretty intimidating. Well, you know, meeting the first time, I was like 14, 15 years old, and I was just like, holy moly, is this guy even human? Is this guy even a human? Like, he just had that raspy, like, cowboy killer smoke <laughs> smoke voice on and everything and uh you know like i was just like holy moly it was just, he was like uh definitely a coach i never you know a coach i didn't have before so he was definitely old school and uh um you know i didn't even really know you know I, you know i look back like just how clueless i really was you know but like this brian max was as, as, as old school as uh Yep. As a cane, you know, like you're then reading and finding out about like the suspensions he had from like punching out referees, and he had the coach from like a from like a FBI video van van like for one season and stuff like that, and then just like man, it was crazy. But you know, like you know, as a six year old, I kind of went out and just kind of finished my checks, and uh, you know, stuck up for teammates and fought. So you know, that's pretty much what what Brian did during his playing career and being an old school guy. So I kind of I definitely that that helped my case uh and him making sure that i was going to be there for the for the remainder of uh my 16 year old year well as a rookie uh, of course uh back then it was uh, i mean now there's internet tv and people can watch everything everywhere but back then you yeah. sure couldn't but uh so you start off but you have a nationally televised game and you're playing medicine yeah. hat um and you <laughs> took on a couple tough cats uh brett shufflemeyer and ryan olenic um yeah did was that when when you guys played the odd uh, net, like were you aware? Oh, well, obviously you were aware it was a TSN game, but did that kind of give you an extra? I'm gonna I gotta I'm gonna show all the boys back home a few tilts. Was that on your mind? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, without without a doubt. And actually, I remember I, I scored in that that game too as well. I, I think only scored a couple goals as a six year old. I think I scored in my second my second game, or actually my I guess game my first time in, in Lethbridge uh, on my birthday to boot um, and then I had a couple scraps and everything as well so um, yeah it was uh, it was those are exciting times because you know the the, the Saturday night or the wherever it was uh, Sportsnet WHL you know CHL classic whatever it was yeah yeah well then you're out there with you know, the long the blonde hair looking like the rock star yeah yeah I know a lot of. Uh, I thought I was like, yeah, you know, hey, I used to have hair like that. I used to look like a like a young Vince Neil. Oh yeah, tremendous! <laughs> and it's like this, this like this a uh, terrible cheesy uh, goatee. I'm just like, man, what was I on and everything? But uh, yeah, you know, just being at being that age, I'm just so excited, just full of piss and vinegar, man. I was just kind of ready ready to take on the world, and uh, it's kind of you just keep going and going and going with it. And uh, yeah, those those are obviously special games because you know all my friends and family are back home you know gathering around and uh you know definitely i was i was pretty proud to be in that situation i know my my family was, was uh felt the same way so those are those are definitely special games i i'm pretty sure i saw those games on vhs at home so <laughs> oh absolutely well um well, to round out kind of your rookie year there's a there's a name that you would eventually uh you'd have 
several run-ins with throughout your career. Um, and everyone knows who I'm talking about. On February 13th, you roll into Tri-Cities, and there he is, John <laughs> Nasty Morasty is there for Tri-Cities. And I, if anybody's seen pictures of John when he played in Tri-Cities, it looked like he was about 12 years old. And uh, were, were, <laughs> what was your first impressions of Morasty, and how did that fight go? <laughs> you know, I came in, I, I remember I had this... Uh, it was one of the 20-year-olds. I think his name was Brian Ballman. I think he actually came from Tri-City. He was on a trade maybe a year a year before I got there. Yep. He's like, hey, hey, are you going to fight Nasty Morass? You know, like, who the fuck are you talking about? Who's this guy? He's like, oh, man, he's like the toughest guy in the league. Like, I was just like, wow, all right. So, you know, at that time, there wasn't... You know, there wasn't really a whole lot of uh, websites and such things like that to kind of do your research and no YouTube you know, back then, folks. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> so I get out there, and it's like this guy's shorter than my sister. It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, all right, you know, you find out. You know, he's from like uh, I think he's from like Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan. It's like yep. all right, so I know I know that kind of breed of people. So I'm like, okay, it's starting to make sense now. And then I. Uh, yeah, then I remember just, I don't know how it developed the fight, but, uh, I remember having to scrap with him and it was, uh, you know, I, I believe I, I, uh, I held my own with it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of, that was my first uh, mix up with him. I had a couple during my career as well, but, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a tough, tough customer and a prime example of this kind of, just, uh, the, the generic breeds that we had, you know, and that, and that, that time of the league and even when i came into the league those those big big boys were just kind of starting to move on to pros and everything so um you know so it was definitely definitely interesting definitely a lot of challenging opponent the opponents for sure in those early couple of years in my western hockey league oh yeah well we're, we're gonna get to them um yeah. well so you, you finish out your 16 year old year you know and uh the the following year, you go back to Lethbridge as a seventeen year old. Um, for, well, first of all, I know uh, Derek Parker was back in Lethbridge mm-hmm. at that camp. Was he? And I'm sure he was fighting to get his job back. Did you guys have any run ins in camp? No, it wasn't anything like that. It was kind of. I actually hung out with him, you know, because all the we were still going to school together and everything. So you yep. see those guys every day, but he was definitely. I definitely felt that he was he was definitely uh, threatened by me for sure. Um, you know, I was definitely a, a, a much better player than than Derek was. You know, I was still able to finish checks and you know shoot the puck as well. So I definitely agreed that I was I was as valuable as he was, if if not more. Derek was had definitely a couple more uh, <laughs> loose and more little loose screws than I did, but uh, you know he was kind of. Um, you know, I hung out with him and uh, Darren Lynch, another guy from Saskatchewan. So um, I think it just eventually kind of just, it ran it ran its course, and uh, he kind of moved on. And uh, I think he ended up going back to the Junior A League in Saskatchewan. And I think he bounced around maybe with some Moose Jaw, and yep. you kind of just hear stories stories about here and there. So uh, kind of one of those things that kind of just took its course. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, I kind of end up kind of pushing him out and, uh, you know, moved on to bigger and better things. So, um, just kind of how it was, you know, that's always been like that in hockey. It's just kind of the yep. survival, survival of the fairness. And then Derek was a really, 
it was kind of one of those earlier early challenges. The hey, if I want to move up, you know, I got to beat out this guy now. So and uh, yep. you know, that's the kind of that's the attitude that you need. So he was definitely uh, didn't take it as a as I didn't think he was a bad guy. He was just kind of one of those stepping stones that you know yep. need to be uh, kind of overcome to get to the ultimate goal, right? So absolutely. Wow, it's like everything, right? We all we all have yeah. a sh- as athletes, everyone has a shelf life. Uh, just, yeah. just like eventually you had to move on, and someone, a, the younger version of you showed up, right? I mean, everyone, yeah, it's that's the that's the circle of life, right? In terms of athletics, yeah. I mean, but um, yeah, well, early on in that season, you were sort of involved in one of the last true bench clearing brawls in the Western Hockey League against Calgary, yeah. and yeah. you ended up oh, yeah. paired off with Rick Rippon's older brother Wes, who was a tough yeah. dude, who was a tough dude as well. Um, how did that fight go? And do you remember what started that brawl? Was there a backstory to it or what happened? Uh, that was the last bench, I believe. That was actually, that was, that was the first of the two bench clearing brawls I had in, at the, at the Lethbridge Arena there. I had another one against Lethbridge again with Vancouver a couple of years after that. Hey, so don't, kind of odd, but... don't jump ahead. I'm getting there. <laughs> no, no, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I thought like uh, Brady Block wasn't he a goalie for Calgary at the time? Maybe I think so. I think some kind of goalie altercation. I don't know what the score was. I think I. I believe we were a pretty good team uh, in Lethbridge that year. I think they're probably in the top ten in the CHL rating. So I think we're we're a pretty team, a pretty good team. So I think we kind of maybe maybe it might have been a. A blowout and uh, but, maybe yeah. something like that kind of sparked Brady, it. Brady, but, uh, Block, Brady Block was the co- yes, he was the goalie in Calgary. Okay. Um, so yeah, I remember getting paired against West, and West was a tough guy. And Calgary obviously had a, a really tough team, but well, let's be serious, every team was tough. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, in, in the Western League. So uh, I remember getting paired up with West. Um, it, uh, it was a good fight, I believe. Um, I kind of got him in a vulnerable position, uh, starting to take advantage of that. Then he did the old kind of hook behind the back of the legs and flipped me on my back, and I actually ended up hitting my head on the ice, and I got knocked out cold. Um, and I got—I remember waking up to the smelling salts. <laughs> um, I don't think there's a whole lot of time left. Um, in the game, so I didn't finish the rest of the game. You know, it was maybe like eight, nine, ten minutes left in the game, and uh, um, kind of felt fine. Then, like, that's <laughs> kind of crazy. You know? <laughs> and then I think I, I suited up for the game next, next, next night. So, uh, yeah, I remember those uh, those bench clearing balls were they get pretty crazy. I've been involved in a couple of them during my my career. So uh, I'd say that's. <laughs> With, with with being knocked out during that fight, I uh, hit my head on the back on the ice. I think that's what I, re- I remember correctly, anyways. So well, you know, oh, there you go. Yeah, well, I'll get to the Vancouver one in a second here, but uh, yeah. But, but halfway through this year, you're traded to the expansion Vancouver Giants in a big trade for Jeremy Jackson and all that stuff. Um, were you excited to play in Vancouver, or was it like a letdown going to like the shitty expansion team? No, I was I was fucking shattered, man. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. we had a good team, and you know, like I was, you know, seventeen years old. Um, I think I was actually just soon to turn eighteen. Really, I believe that that happened in January. Um, and uh, yeah, me and my buddy uh, Warren McCutcheon got traded together. So Warren was like my best buddy on the team, and 
man, like I was comfortable. I had great billets, you know, like I was having a pretty good year. I think if I remember correctly, I had about eight or nine tucks before Christmas. So, you know, like I was showing a little bit of a more of an offensive flair. Yep. Um, um, that, that I really wanted to kind of prove, you know, so, you know, um, you know, we all grow up trying to trying to score goals and everything. So, um, yeah, and I was kind of just like, yeah, I was kind of, I was, I was shocked. I was definitely shocked. You know, Michael Dick, uh, assistant coach at the time, um, actually Warren. Warren was at my house for over for dinner that day. We're kind of just hanging out in the basement, and uh, my bill is like, hey, Warren, the phone's for you. I'm just like, that's weird. And so then, uh, sure enough, like. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. He's like, yeah, okay, I think again traded. So then, then um, Michael Dick calls back like two minutes later and says, like, yeah, Tristan, you need to come too. <laughs> just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, well, and I and I didn't really know. I was like so so young and naive. I was just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I was like, Warren's just like, man, we're getting traded. Like, no, and I was just like, you know, I was ready to have a heart attack. I was just like, I had a panic attack. I was like, man, like I don't know, like there's. There's no life after Lethbridge right now. <laughs> so, you know, so I was like, I was just having this at the time of my life. So then I, uh, yeah. So then I, uh, I remember. Uh, I actually remember that night. Me and me and Warren went out and had some beers, and uh, we packed up and we flew out early, early um, morning. Actually, the first time I flew, so I was jumped on a puddle jumper from Lethbridge to Calgary, then Calgary to. <laughs> to vancouver and uh yeah that was definitely a just a being traded is just a, a just a yep. strange feeling so it's yep. uh, you know i uh, you know i got it I, I i didn't end up being traded a whole lot during my career but it was definitely like one of those things all right now i'm a true hockey player i've been traded you know, yeah the real deal now so yeah, it was, it's it's a good it was a good uh it's a good life lesson for me you know nothing yep. certain in life and uh you know, going to Vancouver, it did. Uh, you know, we knew they sucked and everything, and uh, but uh, it turned out to work out for pretty good because I got treated well, really well in, in my my remainder of my Western Hockey League career in, in I, Vancouver. So it's just definitely a blessing. I was gonna say it worked out for you. Yeah, I mean, actually, you guys got pretty good in a hurry too. Actually, for an expansion team at the time. Um, but yeah, so you land in Vancouver, and that expansion team, there were some characters on that team when you roll in. Oh, man. And I'm going to throw them oh, at you here in terms of just even tough dudes, and we'll start there. <laughs> well, first of all, you got Robin Big Snake. Yeah. Then you got Jack Redlick. Mm-hmm. Tyson Marsh. And, oh, then, yeah. and then Pat Bandrith. Um, yeah. Well, here, Lisa, you got to have a, do you have a Big Snake story? You got to have him. He was a hero that first year in Vancouver, man. That, they loved that dude. Um, oh, yeah. He was a... Uh, well, that guy, they're speaking of characters. Oh, yeah. He was like a folklore, like just a hero. He was just yep. like, you know, he had this, you know, he was just like this kid from Alberta and just, you know, came out and he had this, this remarkable last name, you know, and he went out and he just like fought, you know, like being in that Pacific Coliseum was like definitely bringing back memories to it. Like all those, uh, old school Vancouver, uh, Canucks fans. So, uh, man, it was, uh, you know, I thought, you know, the division that we had with Red Deer Medicine Hat, like Kootenai and, um, you know, all those teams, uh, I thought that was a tough division. But then once we went out and playing against Seattle and Vancouver and Portland and Spokane, I was just like, it was a whole nother, like, this, uh, this, you know, lineup of toughness. So, 
man, it was, uh, yeah, we had a lot of meat sticks, including myself. And I remember actually my first game, uh, I can't think of his name, but it was my very first game in uh, Vancouver. We're playing against Portland. Oh, I, then I, I knocked out Pat Weller in, in a fight, you know, my first couple of shifts of the game. So that definitely set the bar and kind of, it, you know, I was accepted right away. And, uh, it was definitely one of those cool moments for myself. You obviously don't want to see guys get hurt, but, uh, you know, it couldn't have worked out really any better for me, you know, coming in. I got traded, and I was, you know, uh, Scott Bonner was like, yeah, he's like the toughest 17-year-old in the league right now. So, you know, he's going to, you know, we're here to kind of build off that. And uh, I came out, and I, I made I made Scott look good and, and myself at the same time. So it was uh, kind of one of those uh, pretty pretty fun pretty fun moments. Well, glad it worked. To the, glad it worked in that way. Not 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 me getting knocked out for sure. Could have been a lot worse. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, the um, well, of course, one of your big rivals is the Kelowna Rockets, and they, you know, and uh, and they had a, they had a big cat on their team that you ran into a bunch of times named Stefan Sunderman, and uh, oh yeah. Yeah, how, do you remember how those? Uh, he's a big dude. How'd those fights go against that the, that guy? Yeah, yeah, I remember he was a big kid. He was a very good player. Um, he was a big. I want to say. I want to think he was a lefty, maybe. But yeah, he was a big kid, and you know, I I was kind of like maxed out on height. I was only, I was like six one, maybe six two, and I think he was at least six three, six four. He's a big dude, but. Uh, you know, I was a pretty confident kid at that time, and it was just kind of one of those things. Kelowna had great teams, and they would yep. we would go in there, and we lose like six two, and you know, so obviously this the way it was. Like, all right, well, minus three, I might as well get you know five minutes here and try to even out, <laughs> try to at least get rid of one goose egg out here. So that was kind of like the mentality it was. So um, I think that year, I think that year the team, the Vancouver Giants. I think we ended with maybe maybe a dozen wins. I think we're one in thirty-one in on the road. I think so. And I think when we first got in there, because uh, the Giants uh, made a bunch of trades this deadline for a bunch of young guys that ended up spending the rest of my you know time in Vancouver with. We came in and we kind of put a string of like four or five wins in a row. Then it kind of definitely went back to normal and kind of self imploded. So. That was definitely a difference from going from Lusbridge because we're such a high octane, high skill team to, you know, being kind of almost like the favorites to kind of come out and go deep in the playoffs to the expansion team in Vancouver. That was just absolutely, it was like, oh, yeah, we're playing Vancouver tonight. So we might lose our teeth, but we're going to get a dozen points each. So it was kind of, it was definitely a learning experience for sure. Yeah. Well, so, okay. Well, sorry. So you're 18 years old, you're rolling to Vancouver, your second year there, or your first full season with them. Oh two, oh three. Roll up the team probably starts to expand. Now you're an eighteen year old in the Western League, you know, third year guy. Um, and like you said, some of the guys that were coming into camp at that time, Mark Fristrick, uh, Gilbert Brule. Um, at that time, could you see that those guys had a little something that they were gonna go on, you know, and uh, be NHL guys? Could you see it back then? Yeah, like uh, Frank was such a high uh, he was just like a super skilled Super fast kid. We end up uh, being roommates in the sixteen-year-old year. Um, so you know, he he had some some definitely some high potential. Mark Fisher came in. He was just like a genetic freak. He was just like a mutant of a human being. And 
he was such a, like just like a, a physical freak, and he just didn't have any didn't have any issues kind of adapting. And um, so, yeah, definitely, you know, when that's what happens when teams like Vancouver in their early couple of years they uh, they suck, and you get some high draft picks. And uh, with Mark, he did a great job, did a great job uh, leading the team after we were done. So those guys, guys like Joe Bear and, and Mark Fisher, you know. Uh, some other guys as well. They kind of came in and definitely, uh, uh, you know, like I said, showed showed Scott Bonner that he, he they drafted really well and uh, paid off uh, in the in the long run for sure. Well, I'm going to throw a name at you here just to see if you remember. There's another guy who was in camp. He was kind of a, he was a tough local kid named Tyler Chambers. Do you remember him? Oh yeah. Yeah, we used to call him the original meat. He was the original meathead in Vancouver. <laughs> I don't know what makes him, but yeah, Tyler Chambers, man. I think he was a lefty. I don't know where was he like from Port Coquitlam or something like that. Maybe Port Bernie. I don't know. But yeah, I remember he came in. I was like, holy moly, this guy's got like three pounds of sock tape on each ankle, man. I was just like, wow, what's going on? Let's see what this guy has. And I, don't, I think like maybe in this one of his first fights, broke his like knuckle. He had a boxer fracture, and uh, I don't think he really lasted very long. So because so he came in and. Uh, and then uh, after that, was uh, casting came in as, as well. So then we used to call him Meat as well. But uh, yeah, I remember those. There was a couple characters that came in yep. that were just like f- freaks of nature. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of just you could hear you could hear him breathing down the ice before you see you see him. So <laughs> definitely some characters like that. Well, see, I told you I was going to hit you with some names here. So uh, there yeah. we go. Um, well, that year, um, the second year, of course, um, you know. Big Snake had a bit of a meltdown and got traded early in the year. Um, do you know? You know what happened there? Like, did he? Do you know what happened? Oh man! Like, well, I remember. Like, we were so pissed off at each other. Like, we just hated. We all hated each other. We're just calling out people in the dress room. I think we had like a coaches and management came in the dress room one time, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I forget what it was. I don't know if it was. Uh, I don't know if it was Dean Everson at the time, or uh, I think Dean was there for sure. Uh, but Scott's like, you know, all right, let's get it out on the air. And I think I piped up. Was like, I was like, fucking Robin, like you're such a piece of shit human being. And <laughs> we ended up getting a fight in practice, and it was it was absolutely haywire. We had a whole bunch of different tough guys with with different political beliefs and and everything. So. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, kind of all those guys got weirded out, and I was kind of the last one standing there. So it's I, 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 uh, I don't know. You know, that, at times I thought I was going to be the guy out. You know, because I feel like I acted in ways that probably wasn't uh, good for the organization long term. But uh, you know, those guys like Scott and Craig Bonner, they they always believed in me. So uh, you know, I feel really really grateful for that. But like, yeah, we had those those first. Two three years in Vancouver, man. Like those guys, like Ron Toigel and uh, Craig and Scott. Those guys aged a lot because we were we were just uh, disasters. We were we're a high maintenance uh, uh, chicks on that team for sure. With like, like yeah. a lot of testosterone, a lot of different beliefs, a lot of different backup growings, and you know we all kind of wanted to get to the ultimate goal, but uh, you know when you do that and, and you're just a losing team, it's it's, it's tough. So. People people react and respond in different ways. I remember it was it was a pretty toxic environment uh, at, at times in Vancouver. 
Well, like you said, well, you know, and like you said, you're losing. They always say winning cures a lot of things. So it's like, you know, so that's why a lot of, uh, you know, teams might hate each other, but if you're winning, they'll put up. It's amazing what you'll put up with if you're winning. But yeah, when you're losing, oh, it's like quicksand, right? And, uh, and like, yeah. you, and like you said, you had characters. And I mean, with Big Snake and Jack Redlick, I mean, you know, people can go do a, Google search on that, and you know they, oh, yeah. he's had his issues, and uh, you know we're, we know every hey everyone's got issues, but you know, but yeah, uh, but I know listening actually, I Robin uh, Big Snake was on a oh, it was a podcast, it was an interview. I saw something. It was last year, the year before, and he was and there was the same thing. He was just talking about his career, and that was what he said. He he said uh, the worst thing he ever did. We screwed up. He should have never left Van should have never left Vancouver. He said that was the stupidest thing he ever did. But, um, yeah, well, so there you go. It's a little inside information, but, uh, yeah, well, like you said, you're always known for your big hits and running around. And, uh, one of your big hits that year at medicine hat, you took a run at, uh, Bryce Hallwig and, uh, there was a big dude named Bugard that didn't much like it. And, uh, no, how did that go (laughs) with, uh, with, uh, the late Derek Bugard chasing you down? Yeah, I was kind of one of those things, like, hey, you know, like, before the games, like, do not fight this guy. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, like, I, I don't want to fucking fight this guy. Like, this guy's an absolute a freak of nature. And he, like, his scary thing is, is, like, he wasn't, like, he was a fraction of his toughness when he, he finally peaked, like, in the, you know, in, in the NHL. But, uh, yeah, like, kind of like the, I was kind of a, I don't know how to say it was that I was kind of, like, unique, but I was really, I was a way better open eye. So the <laughs> the end result of throwing those big big hits is you're, you're going to draw a lot of attention, and that's when it happened. I kind of I was always able to you know I you know I have a a high hockey IQ, so I was always able to see you know how the play was going to developing. So I read from the from the by the time I put my first toe on on the ice, I knew Ryan Holwig was going to curl onto his forehand and come straight up to the, uh, you know, in front of the penalty box and get the puck. So I just took the, I kind of went right at him and I, and I got him good. And I ended up taking him out for a year, which was really unfortunate. I felt terrible about it. Um, but sure enough, you know, you know, today's game for sure. There's, a, there's, I was going to be getting a lot of games. He kind of, it's kind of, it would have been like a, kind of a fine kind of predatorial open ice clean hit, but then he saw me last minute and he, and he, uh, he kind of tried to submarine me, and his his face ended up taking my like hit me right in the kneecap. So, and he went down hard, and I think I hit him at their blue line, and I think I hit him so hard he kind of spun on his back out cold, you know, curling rock all the way to the other side of the of our blue line. So that's kind of how high of a high high velocity body check it was. And definitely, Derek doing Derek's job. You know, that's uh, he didn't he didn't like that, and he. I didn't want to fight him. He just ended up grabbing me and, you know, kind of, I kind of just laughed it off and everything and, uh, you know, lived to tell the tale, I guess. So. Yeah. While it, uh, while anybody listening, go to my YouTube channel. I've got a bunch of Tristan's not lying here. I can tell you, I got a bunch of Tristan's hits up on clips. You should go check those out. Um, but yeah, it sort of was a common theme. Cause I mean, uh, Colin McRae of tri cities head down. You caught him, and he had to yeah. get carried off. And then, of course, next shift, Logan Stevenson, he wants to come out. And, I mean, you had no yeah. – you handled him pretty easy. But uh, I was going to yeah. ask you, was it sort of frustrating that you had to – like you throw the hits and it's like, okay, now i got to fight? Or uh... 
I guess it's just sort of expected um, at that point. Yeah, I was kind of expected. You know, like I was just such, like I said, I was such a just a, I was such a great, you know, uh, body checker. I, I was able to replay and I catch guys coming around, come around the, you know, the net. And there's there's a there's a ton of hits that I just like. That they're never documented, and I just hit guys super hard, you know, running guys right through the glass, and just like, you know, I was a big Scott Stevens fan growing up. Yeah, I was just trying to do the same thing as Scotty did. So, uh, yeah, we all know like what the damage he did to some players uh, during his NHL career. So, just growing up, ever since like like I said, uh, you know, ever since body contact was brought in, I've always kind of loved the aspect of it. I wasn't a player that had the you know I was going to go in and uh, you know put a fishing pole out there and try to get out of the pot. You know, I was, a, I was a bigger guy, I had thicker shoulders and bigger body, so the best way to separate and get the puck back was, was knocking someone on their ass. So that was just kind of how I ran with it. So, um, and I was just kind of fearless going in on the forecheck and, you know, get making contact, making separation and getting getting the puck to the net and, uh, you know, creating offense that way. So uh, that's just kind of how those are the tools that God gave me, and I kind of ran with it. So, but yeah, definitely playing that physical game it draws a lot of attention. And, uh, um, but you know, I was also uh, gifted with the ability to kind of protect myself as well. So it was kind of, uh, I think that's always why it always allowed me to play that that physical, you know, um, finishing your checks and such throughout my entire career. Well, absolutely. Well, I was gonna as well just kind of keep going here, and you're. So in the in the o three o four there you're nineteen you're in Vancouver you're now one of the team leaders you know kind of a top kind of a top heavyweight in the league and uh, and you had some wars that year and uh, I know two of them were with Trzovsky and uh, oh, yeah. you had caught him with a big hit and uh, a girl at a game and a nationally televised game he comes back at you and um, and he kind of gave you a couple late shots when you were down yeah um, yeah well let, let's run he- so. And you gotta have some heat with a dude after the shit like that. Yeah, no, I remember I, I caught him. I think I caught him admiring a pass or something like that. And I just finished my check card and him, and he did not like it. And I know there's kind of rubblings that this guy's on something. Just the kind of way he looked, I was just like, all right. Then I, I remember finding him, and I remember he, he gave it to me pretty pretty handily. And uh, I was just like, oh boy, yeah. I remember he kind of gave me a couple of crooks, you know, a couple of late shots, but. Man, I'll be lying if I never do that as well. That guy was pissed off because I know he was definitely on something that wasn't uh, of a legal substance for sure. Yeah, so, yeah. I remember I seen the clip before, and this guy gets up and he's like, you know, trying to fight everybody. He just revved right up, and I was just like, oh man, <laughs> this guy, I just got embarrassed in my ring. That's not good. So, um, so I and obviously then I had another meeting with him later in my career, and uh, I definitely didn't forget. So it was. Uh, you know, it, it turned out to be a you know just a great scrap and definitely kind of one of my uh, prouder moments. Uh, you know, as a Vancouver Giant and uh, um, yeah, he was a he was a tough character, man. He was a big. I don't know if he was Slovak or Czech, but he was a big he was a big scary dude. And uh, um, you know, I was definitely happy <laughs> happy to, to fare a little bit better than the first meeting that we had for sure. But you know, that's a part of you know doing that kind of job. You, yeah, uh, the guys that get you know better and survive are the ones that, re- that learn from those mistakes. And I definitely made some made some mistakes. Uh, you know, the first meeting that we had. So, <laughs> there. Uh, well, one of the guys, uh, like you said, yeah, you go through it, and uh, 
uh, a personal favorite of mine. You started here in Saskatoon, and then he was out in Seattle, uh, and you had a couple classic toe-to-toes with him was Huxley, Adam Huxley, who went on oh, to have yeah. a long pro career. Um, what was it like fighting that guy? Because he, he was a pretty wide-open dude. He wanted to swing. Uh, how were those fights? Uh, I remember, like, I, I remember I definitely went through some phases, like, later in my junior career, I was just like, oh, man, like, I fought this guy so many fucking times now, I'm just like, it couldn't really get jacked up, it was like, it wasn't really challenging, I, I've, I've seen fights before, like, years after I, I, was, I was playing pro, and, uh, you know, like, man, I don't even look like I'm totally, like, really engaged about it, he was kind of a guy that he was just loving it, like, he was, uh, you know, at the time, it was, I still, you know, I believe that I was, able to provide uh, you know different aspects of the game you know wasn't trying to like totally like get away from fighting but i was like you know i was definitely eager to show that i was able to do different things as well so uh i kind of there's there's definitely parts of of my uh not only my junior career but my my professional career as well that i you know hey you know let's let's kind of put this you know not the top priority of going out and scoring off you know, right off the drop of the puck you know let's go let's play hockey because you know let's be real that's what that's where the real money is you yep, know so yep. there's definitely times like that so that was always just a fun at the same time you're expected to go out and do a job and provide an energy and a jump for a team but also at the same time you're just like oh man like i'm just not into it so yeah i remember remember adam a couple times i think i First time I fought him was in Saskatoon, and uh, yeah, then yeah, those, those battles with Seattle with uh, him and uh, oh man, who was uh, Fitzgerald was there. Zach, was Zach the Hack, yeah, Fancy. yeah, yeah, just like and Matt Matt Spiller, like oh my god, it was just like going to Seattle. I was like, all right, here we go, and it was this absolute meat fest. I'm pretty sure Scott Bonner told me years after he's just like, oh yeah, like we <laughs> like those. We had we had some of those rosters designed just like to just to compete with with Seattle because Seattle was a was a really good team as well. So uh, we're just like, hey, if we're going to lose nine on the scoreboard, we better win a couple scraps here and there. So that was just kind of how kind of just like showed how cutthroat that uh, that Seattle and Vancouver that that division was. It was definitely a lot of tough dudes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you and well, I, I think you had thirty-three fights the one year in your nineteen-year-old year, and I mean, shit, you were fighting, you know, everybody, Rick Rippin and Paul Brown and DJ King, and um, oh yeah. Um, well, one of your fights that you had was with you know NHL All Star um, Shea Weber. And we're going back to yeah. Kelowna, but I mean, I, I was looking at. Could you imagine? Yeah, you played with their defense: Josh Georges, Duncan Keith, and Shea Weber. On your blue line and oh, a, yeah. on a junior team, that is just ridiculous. But like, how good was Shea Weber back then? Or he's good no, now, he's good. but you know he, what I mean. He, back he, then, yeah, he was just like a he was a man child for sure. And then I, uh, um, you know, tough kid then. You know, just like then, um, um, you know, when I got traded to to Nashville, you know, seeing him again there, and it was just like he was just a freak, man. He was like get on the squat rack and training camp doing the doing the test and uh you know put loads loads up like fight at the squat rock does it a couple times He's like all right i'm good you know and he was just a just an absolute genetic freak and i actually <laughs> we were in like an inner squad game in camp in nashville uh i think it was i think my might have been my second year in, in the organization and uh i kind of came came across for for supporting pass up the middle and he uh he didn't pass the tape he passed right in the toe and he his pass was so hard he ended up breaking my toe 
I had to, I had to ice my toe for the first like two months of the season because <laughs> he, <laughs> he broke it. <laughs> so that's how that's how uh, you know he obviously won like last night. He won like the you know the harder harder shot again. This guy is just a genetic freak and this this uh some men amongst boys even at the age of sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old when he's playing in Kelowna. So yeah, those uh, those Kelowna teams are were just like dominance for for a lot of years. Yeah, well, before we leave to get to your final year of junior, I have to, of course, ask you, as we as you brought up the brawl against your old team in Lethbridge, um, you got, of course, the, the brawl is actually on YouTube, folks. You can look it up. You end up fighting Nick Tarnaski. Um, mm-hmm. This is your second brawl, something that likely will never happen in the Western League again, and we're not talking yeah. about these 30-second deals that they call brawls nowadays. This yeah. one, every single guy's fighting. All the goalies end up getting into it. Um, just as a player, what's it like? Just for the people listening, uh, just to describe that and what's going on, or, and and uh, how does it uh, like after it's all done? You're in the locker room, like shit, like that's got to bring the boys together. Oh, absolutely! It's no, it's absolute fucking battlefield. It's just like a melee of like a, just a you got a bunch of gladiators on the ice that's acting like absolute idiots and trying to knock each other's heads off and like then at the end of the day you know you kind of like laugh about it and and yeah definitely it's like it's like a brotherhood against another brotherhood and that's really what it's that's to kind of simplify it and everything uh you got one family and you got another family and you're trying to fight and get get to the same ultimate goal so that's really what it really comes down to but yeah those are uh you know, luckily Nick Nick was a tough guy as well at that time, and uh, um, he was a big kid. And uh, it's kind of always always good that you know it's kind of funny how like the tough guys always end up tying up with other tough guys. You know, so because otherwise when you get a mix mix matches like that, that's when people get hurt and things get out of control. So it's uh, I think that's what makes hockey great. You know, there's still like you still want to go knock this guy's head off and everything, but there's still you know enough mutual respect to like. All right, here's the agreements. You know, like <laughs> yeah. here we go. We're not gonna fight. We're just gonna hold on. I don't feel like fighting. Okay, great. I don't feel like fighting either. We're just gonna hold each other. We're gonna talk, and we're gonna, gonna we're kind of almost gonna police ourselves and referee because there's only three lines and or only three referees. So you know, let's keep the peace and such like that. So uh, usually, like uh, usually in the windows when they have those bench clearing brawls, usually someone throws a couple punches, someone falls ice, like. All right, are we done? It's like, yep. Yeah, all right, let's go on to the next one. You know? So, um, you know, that's kind of one of the things. You know, those are those are definitely special moments. Like I said, I've been been involved in a, a few of them, and uh, it was just an absolute amazing feeling. You know, after the game's done, whether you win or lost, it's still great to see. Uh, you know, sticking out for your teammates and, and brothers, and those are always special moments for sure. Well, so to end the year, so well, this is a big year. Because this is the year you get drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers to go in the ninth round. Um, were you expected to? First of all, I mean, you, hell, you're drafted in the NHL. It doesn't matter what round you got taken in the NHL draft. So, what was that experience like? Uh, were you expected to get drafted? Did the Flyers had they expressed interest in you, or uh, how did that all uh, come about? Well, actually, the first time I went to the NHL camp was with with the Canucks. You know, I got hooked up just being a local. You know, oh, okay. for a giant product, product and everything. So I think as an 18 year old, yep. I was either 18 or 19 year old. I got a free agent. I got a free tryout. Um, so I didn't have to travel very far. We were at the Burnaby Eight Rings. I think that's where the camp was. And I think the first, 
we had rookie camp first. There's about 40, 42, 45 kids at the camp. And, uh, they told, you know, Hey, we're going to take 20 guys, uh, into main camp, which was up in, I think, Vernon. So, you know, I was incredibly nervous, you know, like, and at 18, I, I wasn't, I wasn't anywhere near the kind of physical shape. I still have some baby fat on me, but, uh, I was definitely willing to go out and do my thing and compete and, you know, I think that's what definitely sparked interest. They weren't coming in thinking I was lightning fast and I was going to bring kind of speed aspect to the organization in the near future. You know, they liked because, you know, um, you know, Brian Burke was the GM there at the time. So I ended up having this unbelievable rookie camp. And uh, as a free agent, I pushed a lot of guys that were, were drafted by Vancouver and they're going home back to their junior teams. And I was going off to, uh, to main camp. So, um, then I had a great camp and, uh, you know, I ended up playing the inter-squad game. I ended up playing on, on the line during the inter-squad game with the, the, with the goddamn fucking Sedine twins. And I was just like, oh. like what's, so, go- uh, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then, you know, like it, it definitely, I had, I think they had, uh, showing that they had some respect for me and, um, um, you know, I had, I had a lot of respect and I, I was just having, time of my life you know like there's a lot of tough guys tough guys the darren langdon was there and uh Bertuzzi was there at the time and uh, uh brad may was there i believe at that time as well so you know i wasn't even thinking like going on i was gonna take these guys job i was really just trying to get a contract and uh, uh i had an exit meeting with uh with crossford and brian burke and it was just really well then um the weirdest thing is I, I, uh, they wanted to sign me. And then, um, Ron DeLorme came to me after a game, uh, in Vancouver. And I was like, yeah, you know, that Brian really likes you, wants to sign you. But, uh, there's a bit of a disagreement with you and your agent at the time. Brian's not going to do a deal to do a deal with this guy. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me, man? And I was, I was like furious. So, um, I think of that, uh, yeah, I think that was the first time I fired firing agents you know at, at 18 or something i was just like what's going on but then by the time kind of we all got lined up and uh the season went on that kind of that passed and then um well i know i got drafted the second last pick of the draft by philadelphia and then vancouver had the last pick so i knew i think my agent knew that i was either going to get drafted by philadelphia or i was going to go back and get uh, be dropped by Vancouver, so that's kind of just how that all developed. So, um, yeah, those are yeah, that's kind of a, kind of a weird story. So things could have things could have uh, started out my career a little bit differently for sure, but you know, obviously, uh, ended up being a, a good fifth in Philadelphia for my first couple of years in pros. So, um, looking back, and that was kind of a better fit for sure. Well, so you get so okay, so you get drafted by Philly, you roll in and. Uh... What was that? Uh, I mean, obviously, the, uh, how did that camp go that that year? So you're... Man, I remember. I remember there was a summer camp. I don't know if uh, I'm trying to think back now. There was a summer camp. Uh, you know, Philadelphia always has like the trial now thing. So I get into camp. Uh, maybe it was probably. I think it was a couple of weeks after I ended up getting drafted. And uh, um. um Jim, Jim, Jim across from the athletic trainer in Philadelphia. There's about 32 of us there, there. And we all flew in that day. Majority of us. Um, Jim across is like, all right, 
one week left in July. Go grab your running shoes. No excuses. We're gonna go do a five mile run. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and he got thirty. And he got th- and he got thirty five minutes and thirty seconds to do it. And I was just like, well, I think I'm just gonna go start walking back to Nipah right now and uh, get my class one license. And uh, you know, that's <laughs> how it is. <laughs> so uh, not not any sense that. Uh, the, the work of uh, long haul drivers or anything like that, but uh, I was just like, oh my lord, you know, because I wasn't, I def- I knew I wasn't in the, in the physical shape that I needed to be to to be successful at that time. I didn't know what the physical demands were of pro hockey, and uh, you know, but uh, actually, the funny, the funny thing, uh, um, out of the, the thirty five of us um, that were supposed to do it in thirty five minutes and thirty seconds, I ended up rolling in and. 35 minutes and 20 seconds and I think I was one of the dozen that did it uh, so I was just kind of definitely had this raw raw necessity to, for, to survive so that definitely man I couldn't walk for the rest of the 11 days I was there but it was the like, guys are dropping like flies like after that and that's just how Philadelphia ran like they like you know, I remember, you know, meeting with Todd Fedora. He's like, hey, man, if you could, like, survive a training camp here, you could survive a training camp anywhere else in the league. It was just kind of notorious of, like, it was this nonstop, like, military style. Just like, hey, we just want to, we want you to go until you can't go anymore. And, and that was, like, the first opening day of the training camp in the, in the rookie uh, development camp. And I was like, oh, boy. So uh, that was obviously a huge boost of confidence. We roll in there, haven't really ran a mile all summer. And then, you know, I come in here and I, I do it with 10 seconds of spare. And I was, you know, at that time, I was like, uh, you know, I had like probably like 16, 17% body fat. And I was like 235 pounds. So I was just like, all right, what's, what's up next, buddy? <laughs> it was kind of funny, but like, right, yeah, right away, I kind of just like, uh, I was like, all right, okay, this, this guy's a little bit different then. So, and I think this, I just, you know, my, my style of play kind of just, from junior just kind of transferred into that and having guys like, you know, you know, obviously you don't have to explain to you like the Brosty Broys. So I was the guy that go out and finish checks and, and fight and stick up for teammates. And that was definitely, you know, obviously appealing to that kind of organization. So I think that's why I was kind of an instant uh, fit. Did you, uh, did you get to go to main camp that year? You know what? Even the time I was in Philadelphia, I don't think uh, I don't think I really went to main camp at all. I think I had a couple. I don't think my first year pro I had an exhibition game because um, uh, the Phantoms in Philadelphia were in the same practice facility, so it was so much easier just to kind of like hey, if someone wanted to get called up for a preseason game, you went to the same practice facility and kind of just like walked to the down the hall through these double doors and oh all right, hey I'm. I'm called up now. So that was pretty much what it was. So uh, I recall the way that we did it in Philadelphia, they, they kind of divided the guys up right away. And, um, you know, going in, I didn't even really know. Uh, yeah, I was under contract with Philadelphia, but I didn't know whether I was going to be in, in Trenton or I was going to be in uh, the Phantoms. Obviously, I want to play in the America Hockey League. You know, it was, uh, that was a real realistic goal at the time. And, um, you know, we had guys you know, right away, you know, became great friends with Josh Grad and Riley Coltane. I was trying to starting to learn from those guys. You know, John Stevens was the head coach there. Craig Brew was assistant. So I had this, uh, you know, a great support staff and uh, couldn't have couldn't ask for any better, uh, you know, teachers and idols to kind of show me like, okay, how how do I, you know, how do I do this now? So, um, you know, luckily I didn't. Uh, 
I didn't spend any time in Trent. I was kind of instant fit, and I, uh, you know, kind of had a couple scraps and had some big body checks, and I was enough to uh, to crack the roster and and, uh, and start my first professional year in, in the American League. Well, before we get there, I'm going to ask you. So you go back. Well, your last year in Vancouver, you're the captain. 0405. You're back as a 20 year old. You're wearing the C. How much of an honor was it to be the captain of the Vancouver Giants? Yeah, no, sorry, I didn't mean to skip years or anything like that. They all kind of blend together sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I apologize. Um, yeah, I wish I wasn't. Even, I wasn't even chosen as the captain, but Mark Mark Fisher broke his jaw uh, with a head. I think he kind of he was a check, and someone kind of like reverse checked him and and, and uh, ended up breaking his jaw like right right in the middle, split right in half in his bottom mandible uh, in his jaw. And uh, and uh, he was out for about uh, two, three months. So then, you know, I kind of, you know, I wasn't really trying to take Mark's, you know, letter from him. I, you know, I was one of the, the alternates at the time, but uh, I think this kind of way where we're going and what we needed at that time was uh, kind of, they believed in me that I was able to step up and, um, you know, I was kind of finally kind of coming as coming in as own. I was a twenty year old. That was my last year. Like I still had a lot to prove. So um, yeah, you know, like I said, that that organization done this beyond more things than I ever than I ever deserved, and uh, they gave me a lot of boost of confidence. And uh, you know, they respected me and believed in me that I was able to kind of lead that team. You know, it came up came up short. You know, going to the playoffs, but it was definitely a great experience and a great honor that I got a jersey back in Manitoba with, you know, uh, with with a C on it. So it's definitely a, a huge accomplishment. You know, coming out, you know, uh, growing up watching the Western Hockey League. You know, and there's a lot of a lot of good leaders, a lot of good history with uh, captains coming out of that league and having successful uh, pro careers. So you know, at the time, I was like, hey, you know, this is the same path as some of these other guys. So it was a, it was a huge boost of confidence. Well, yeah. Well, I gotta ask you about a, we got you got a couple teammates here that we gotta throw some. Well, I'm gonna throw some names at you because the listeners will know who I'm <laughs> talking about. Uh, well, you kind of briefly mentioned him before, but you had a couple young kids come up. One of them was uh, Big Matt Cassian, who of course went on. Oh yeah. Have, uh, and then, <laughs> well, for, well, before we won't go any further. How, how was how was playing with Matt? And uh, I mean, obviously he was big and raw at that time, but uh, you know, of course he went on to become. You know, a, a, a true heavyweight. Um, mm-hmm. What uh, What were your first impressions of Matt? He was just like a super nice kid. He's just like I couldn't even believe this guy fought. Like he threw punches. He was just like a really, really quiet, super well behaved, mature human being. But then as soon as this guy put like his skates on, he just mutated into this like this badass. <laughs> It's just like this, I don't know, it's just crazy. He was just a big kid, man. Yeah. He was a big kid, and he just, he kind of just like had it. It's like, yeah, I'm not a very good player, but I'm big and strong, and I'm not really going to take advantage of my size, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to hurt you. And he did that for, for a few years in the West. Bay. He was a tough kid, man, but he was he was super polite, and uh, actually been to find him in, in pro hockey as well. Uh, tough, tough kid. I found him a couple times. So, yeah, he's a guy that, just had to really, you know, prove that if you're good enough, you're really good at one thing. You can go on and you can achieve a lot of, a lot of uh, high goals. And, and Matt's a prime example of that. So, yeah, it was, uh, he was definitely kind of. It's always refreshing, you know, as a, as a guy that's like been kind of 
been the main guy fighting, it was always refreshing to have another younger guy trying to, to mimic the exact same thing that you just tried to do or you well, just finished doing. So D-Docio, you kind of uh, create a, a band of brothers with those guys. You, and, you know, they look, you know, hopefully look, those guys kind of look up to you and ask you and you take on the roles of a uh, teacher and then they become the student again. So that was kind of, that was kind of the, the relationship we have with, with me and Matt. And, um, I think when he got traded he was this, he, he kind of came over and he was like, Hey man, you know, like he was talking about, you know, hey, if we play against each other, we're going like, to fight each other. I was just like, Hey, let's, let's go out. You know, I got a job to do. You got a, you got a job to do. And, uh, We'll, we'll go by that, but you know, I said like, Matt, you're a great, you're a great kid. You're gonna go, you're gonna, you're gonna have a good career. So, um, you know, we had a lot of mutual respects for each other. So that was that was great. That's what I have to say about Matt for sure. Well, and another one I got to bring up, who was a personal favorite of mine, and you talk about the ultimate. This, this dude played like a super ball, one of them rubber balls bouncing all over. He was absolutely insane. And the the hockey world's probably lucky that this dude wasn't six foot three, but uh, Garrett Hunt, what oh. were you, what were your because well he was an animal when he was in junior or he still is but when junior I remember when he showed up the Giants I remember my buddies out in Vancouver was like you got to see this guy and it was like I remember seeing video and it was like what the fuck like what was it like playing with him and how's Garrett and uh, what's your impressions of Garrett Hunt. Oh man, yeah, this guy was just like a super, yeah, he was a super hyper and just like, yeah, he only came up to like my, my armpit. Like, and I wasn't even really that, I'm not, I'm not even a tall guy. I'm not considered like, oh yeah, Tristan Grant's tall. I was like, no, I'm not. But this guy comes in, he's like this, you know, he's, he's ripped, he's in great shape, and he just like, he was his absolute full. He was like a cat on, on catnip, man. He was just like going nuts so everywhere, and, uh, he even, he just made the made the best of the situation. He was just kind of fearless warrior, so definitely entertaining. <laughs> and he, he, you know, he's still he's still out there playing. And I actually played against him a couple times later in my career, like when I was in the in the coast. And I was like, "Hey, Garrett, how's it going?" And <laughs> I kind of kind of growled at him. And, and for a guy that you know, Garrett's almost fight everybody. He says like, "Hey, Tristan, how's it going?" <laughs> yeah, I was just like, good, good, Garrett, good to see you. I was like, you're making me feel real old, man. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, they, they had, you know, it's always there's always uh, there's always places for those kind of guys. Those are those are guys are uh, legit uh, glue guys, and they they show the real true passion of uh, of the high energy and uh, heart that uh, that is necessary to be uh, to have a lot of uh, accomplishments in hockey. Well, yeah. Well, before we get out of junior, I gotta ask the one. And again, folks, it's on my YouTube. We're gonna talk about this. You could look it up. You ended up in a battle. Well, not really a battle. You ended it real quick with Dustin Slade, the Regina Pat goalie. Mm. <laughs> uh, he gave you the biz. Well, he thought about giving you the business, and uh, you weren't having any of it. Was it uh, like? Did you have? Was there any incident leading up to it, or uh, what happened there? No, I think Regina had a well. You know, Rick Ripping was there. Yep. They had a couple of tough guys. So they and uh, we always you always hear like I didn't know for sure, but Dustin Slade was like a guy. It was like a maniac. He was a bit of a head case, you know. But he was a really good goalie. And I I remember I recall that night he kind of maybe I'm pretty sure he gave me a couple of shots back in the head. Yep. The blocker, couple ball taps, and I was just like, 
I think that was kind of one of the first times that my wires crossed. <laughs> and I turned around, and I just absolutely guillotined this guy. And he went, goes back, got, uh, I got all the still frames of those pictures uh, back home in a, in a safe place. And, I, uh, and even in the Giants' office, they have a, that, that moment all, like, in about four or five different photos as well. So definitely kind of, uh, you know, I think to Vancouver Giants fans, I've been – uh, season ticket holders since then. That's probably one. It's kind of one of those moments that uh, they probably remember, and that that sparked a little bit of a, a lion brawl as well. But uh, um, so he, he's kind of like you know, he couldn't really get mad because he was just like, yeah, you know, uh, it's probably something I, I did too when I played. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. Even, I kind of recall even even if I got suspended from that, I might have got like maybe a game, but. Doing that now, like you're going to you're going to jail now. Oh, they'd be they'd be talking yeah, the they'd be talking, yeah, the, ele- they'd be talking yeah, the electric sure chair if you did that now. But, yeah. Oh yeah, I know for sure. So, but uh, yeah, I was just like that was kind of just my attitude. It was like play stupid games, win stupid prizes. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and we, uh, well, and then the Trzoski, I mean, he was in Swift Current. He gets traded to Prince George at the deadline. So now this means you're going to see this cat a few more times. Um, yeah. Your buddy. Um, you ended up fighting a tough dude in warm up in Prince George. Um, Chris, uh, where is it now? Dines? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That means, yeah, I know that name, yeah. Another yeah. big, big kid, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you guys fought in warm up? I don't recall warm up. I, I I I don't. I I could be wrong. Um, I remember fighting Chris, but um, I I can't conf- I can't confirm whether it happened in warm ups or not. But yeah, like those those Prince Prince George teams were absolutely full of like crazy strong mountain men as well. So yeah, it, 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 you never really had a night off when playing no. in Vancouver and playing playing that BC division. It didn't matter. You know, probably Kelowna. Like, you know, Kelowna had DJ King, and he was definitely he was a really. I played with DJ in Lethbridge a little bit, and yep. by the time, you know, from the time I played with him, the time we were we were nineteen, twenty year olds, like he grew about five inches, and uh, and he was long and lengthy. So, um, but like, yeah, like Kelowna was such a good team. They kind of only needed one DJ. DJ King and you know Kamloops and Prince George and uh, these other teams they had like a, a small army of of, of, of those guys so it's, um yeah there definitely wasn't a, there wasn't many nights off in that in that playing in, in that different that division and conference for sure but uh, yeah well, yeah well that Trotsky <laughs> there well there we go it's another nationally televised game which well what a coincidence. And uh, yeah, you could and you're you're you can see on the bench you call off the winger, and you go yeah. right out and line up with them. Uh, yeah, did like did did you tell like Coach Hey, like hey I'm I'm doing this shit right now? Did he give you the green light or did you just no? Let's finish. No, this. I just think I just like I think I just I forget who I called off, and I think it was during during the play. I think and then I I just kind of went right after him. I, he must have done something that I didn't like, and I was just like, "All right, I kind of been waiting for this opportunity, and we're gonna fucking do it." So, uh, you know, we we end up having a great fight, and uh, I re- I recall like I had, I think I had two black eyes at the time as well. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, so <laughs> that that's 
showed uh, especially the grind that was going on that year. So, at, uh, yeah, he was a big, tough customer. So, uh, definitely kind of, uh, I, you know, I didn't like beat, I didn't like beat the tar out of them, but I definitely, you know, they had a little bit of a revenge back on them. So, that's, uh, uh, glad yeah. we got some things sorted out there. Well, you won't say, I'll say it. You won the fight. Again, folks, it's yeah. on my YouTube channel. Tristan Grant, go check it out. I got a bunch of his Vancouver Giant fights on there. And that one's there. And, uh, yes, I'll, I'll, I will give you the W in that one. I'll, you won't have to say yeah. it. But, yeah. Uh, no, then, yeah, I appreciate it. But, no, about what I remember about that, that fight, there's definitely uh, some mutual respect. We both gave a, a, you know, a pat in the back, and, you know, that was kind of, that's kind of like, uh, you know, as heartwarming as hockey could get, I guess, at that time when two guys just ended up trying to, you know, knock your teeth out. But I remember giving each other a pat on the back and like, all right, we're even. We're good. So, yep. you know, that's definitely a special moment for sure. Well, so now we're we're, we're going to move on now. We got up. You're, you're wrapped up, Junior. Here you go. You are turning now. You're turning into a professional hockey player and you're off to Philadelphia. <laughs> Did you, uh, at that point, was it time to get serious now? Did you get into, like, did you become a fitness guy at that point? Did you start taking it a little more serious? Nope. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I was just, I was just kind of, I was just, like, so ignorant, you know. I was just, like, um, you know, I, I started, like, you know, when I was 18, you know, 19. I was, like, trying to, like, create good habits. Um, I kind of just kept, you know, I had a... I had a little bit of trouble staying uh, healthy. So every time I kind of had like a small injury or something like that, you know, I gained a magical 10, 12 pounds. And, it, and uh, you know, it was just a kind of on ongoing battle. You know, I just couldn't really go down like, oh, oh, I can't eat McDonald's uh, or I can't, uh, you know, drink some beers after every, uh, you know, Saturday night game at Vancouver at the Rocks anymore, you know. <laughs> so, it, it took. It definitely took me way longer than it probably should have to kind of figure out, you know, the, the necessities of being a successful pro. But uh, kind of going in. But I, like I said, when I, when I go back to talking about the 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 development camp and just put on my shoes after I flew all day and I go run, you know, like a, a six, you know, an average, you know, six twenty minute, you know, six minute twenty minute mile, um, twenty second mile. You know, I just kind of had this like raw raw, uh, you know, need to survive. So I kind of just did it, you know. And I, I, I had the, some early success, this not even really being in, in, in really tip-top shape. So yep. um, I, I remember, I remember, you know, I came in, but I was, I was kind of like, you know, hey, you know, I'm a young guy. I had, like, the cheesy... Vince Neil goatee. I had like the surfer hair. You know, I just looked like absolute shithead. You know, I remember I used to drive John Slaney absolutely nuts. He's been like playing like pro for like 16, 17, you know, years. Scored a huge goal in Saskatoon about yep. 30, dec- 30 decades before he met me. But, uh, you know, I was kind of like, just came in as like, all right, here we go. And I kind of just, uh, you know, I just grabbed kind of a, attention you know i was always kind of a prankster even when i was in junior hockey so i kind of fit in right away and i gained a lot of respect from 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 not only teammates but more importantly management and coaches and um that that definitely kind of bought me some extra time you know with the lacking of uh you know uh you know good habits good pro habits (laughs) you know and everything and i was just a good guy 
I kind of lighten the mood and go out and play hockey and stick up for teammates. So that uh, I remember having a meeting at the end of the season, my very first professional season, with Paul, and he's like, um, I was to say, hey, you're no longer just a project. You know, we really like what you do. We want you to stay here this season and train. And uh, and I was just like, you know, was, Paul Holmgren was like a super – uh, intimidating man. I just kind of didn't even say anything. I was just, my eyeballs are wide open. And, uh, um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right, I'll be back. So I went back to Manitoba for a couple of weeks and I was back and it's been the rest of the summer and in Philadelphia and I got in a really good shape. So, and then after that, after the meetings, it's like, you tell you, like, go, go fucking cut your hair. So I went and got a flat top just like Homer did. And he, <laughs> I don't think he really liked that, but I thought it was pretty funny at the time. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, there you go. Well, that first year, I mean, you're a rookie. I mean, you come out swinging right away. I mean, you know, in, yeah. the, in the preseason, you fight Segroy right off the hop yeah. in Albany, and then you fought Tepartier. And then, who do you run into but your old buddy, Derek Parker, playing for Norfolk. You fight him a couple times. Um, yeah. Like, so you're you're coming out of the gates hot here. Um, <clears throat> like, well, I'm just looking at the roster of that team that year. <clears throat> like you talk about insanity. I mean, you got yourself, Josh Gratton, Ben Eager, Skulny, and Riley Cote. I mean, like, come on, you know, like no one's. And then you got Baruby as the assistant coach. So it's like, yep. yeah, nobody was like shit was on when you were playing the Flyers. Oh yeah, or the Phantoms, I guess. It was. Yeah, no, I so I remember fighting Scroy. Uh, he was a, it was a preseason game against like Albany, I think. Yep. It ended pretty quickly. I went down pretty quickly. I was just saying, and I wanted to fight him because I, like, I, so I remember calling my uncle. I was just say, "Hey, man, I fucked this. I'm playing against that scroy that was in like the the, the Ultimate Fighter kind of hockey thing in Prince George like a, a couple of years ago." I was like, "Yeah, I gotta fight this guy for sure." <laughs> so he was just like, and he was a pretty experienced guy. You know, it was just my first pro fight. I didn't really think too much about it. Probably went in there a little more over overconfident than I <laughs> that I needed to, but. uh it kind of ended quickly, but the, the great thing about Philadelphia, man, like everyone's like getting you know, on their feet, stick taps, and they're, they're just like, oh, like, great, you know, we got some new blood that's willing to go out and, and pay the price and everything, so. Well, you with uh, that lineup, though, you must have, you guys, you take a number to fight somebody. You guys must have been crawling oh, over man. each other to fight people. Oh, man, that was that was the fun thing, too. So I remember our first very, my, my first pro game, um, we're in Wilkesburg. And Wilkesbury had Bombay and had Carcillo and Bessonette and uh man, there's a couple other guys as well. And we, there's almost like a brawl, like in warm ups. Yep. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, like I this is a you know, I still got the long blonde hair, I got the old CCM bucket, no visor, I think I'm just the biggest fucking beauty in the in the in the world and I was just like go back and I was like, All right. And you know Josh Grant and I you know, grabs me and he grabs like Colties and you know grabs like all right you're gonna fight this guy then I'm gonna fight this guy and then it was just like then we're all gonna sit in there <laughs> it was just like we were just like premeditating all this stuff and I was just like oh, okay I said, okay is that is that how we're doing it and that was <laughs> that was kind of the beginning of it like oh okay, I get it now I get it and so yeah that's kind of what. That's kind of what the, that division was. We had uh, Norfolk, yeah. Hershey, 
uh, Binghamton and Wilkesbury, and like we're having like three and threes playing against these guys, and it was just like, oh boy, and it was a grind. And uh, later on in my career, uh, I always played with like old, you know, old, little guys are older. It's like, man, I hated pulling the bus into the spectrum. Yep. It was just the worst feeling ever. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, it was it was different. And the top of it, we had all those fans at the spectrum too that. I just been grinding, grinding their teeth since like '76 or somewhere. Was the last time they won the cup, and I was just yeah. like, it, it was a pretty gnarly, special feeling for sure to be a part of a. Uh, it was like almost like cult like. So yeah, that was uh, that first year, man. It was it was something else. Well, uh, you said his name there, and I, you fought him a couple times that year, um, and like minor league, le- like absolutely legend, uh, Dennis Bonvi, and um, oh yeah. What was it like playing Bones? Because I've heard he's quite the character out there. Did he, uh, what was it like? Oh, man, he was just like, you know, you learn right away. Cause I, you know, going in, I, was, I don't really know who the fuck this guy is, but you could tell he was just like, all right, this guy is an old Wiley vet, and he's seen a singer too. So you kind of get on, you know, that time, the internet's it's a little bit more more advanced. You get on Hockey DB, you get on Hockey Fights, you watch his fights. But this guy, he was just like a, he had his tricks and sleeves. He didn't really have, like, the, to my understanding, he didn't really have the power that he used to have in his younger days, but he threw pretty quick, but he didn't really have any, that damaging power anymore. And I remember, I remember him and Grath have a great fight. Him and, him and Grath have fights. I've seen Riley beat the, beat the tar out of him a couple times. Um, and he would just be all pissed off. And, uh, we used to call him the bone doctor all the time. <laughs> so. But you know it's funny. Before the game, you'd roll in, you kind of meet in the you know meet in the hallway, talk. You know, almost like kind of make like a peaceful agreement. It's like, all right, are we going tonight? The like, guy, uh, you know, the uh, Bonzu companies, he kind of do the old chicken wing. It's like, I don't know, I got the little like shoulder roll cuff, a little sore tonight. Got the hands, and you know, like. But meanwhile, like all these guys have absolute like meat hooks and. You know, their hands are just, like, been through the meat grinder. But uh, sure enough, like, you know, someone takes a look at someone and someone gets pissed off and, like, oh, all bets are off. And then it was just absolute melee again. So um, definitely a legendary guy. Fought him a bunch of times. Didn't really have a lot of success with him. Uh, you know, but I did have, you know, managed kind of, you know, um, a couple wins here here or there against them, but uh, he was a, he was a great guy. I remember when I asked her, I played my first NHL game. He he came over and gave me a hug and a high five, and it was like that's kind of like that uh, mutual respect between those guys that do that do that for a living for sure. Yeah, well, another name you threw out, and of course the listeners now know. Back then, he was just a uh, you know a draft pick trying to make his way, but uh, he's become an internet sensation now with his. Uh, Pink Whitney and everything else, and Spitting Chicklets podcast, but uh, <laughs> with Paul Bissonette, old Biz Nasty, uh, you had a few run-ins with him over the years. How did those fights go with Biz? Oh, great, great. Uh, you know, I, I you know, to the day, Paul wasn't really like a intimidating guy. He was a big guy, but he used to kind of hold on it. I think I fought him maybe three or four times. Uh, uh, he, you know, I listen to I listen to the podcast all the time. Those guys are hilarious. Like he's done really well for himself, and uh, you know, um, yeah, I remember fighting him a couple times. It was like, yeah, I think like uh, I think I, I'm not like I didn't like beat the tar of him, but I definitely think I had some some unanimous decisions against him. But 
Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was a big of a rivalry with those Wilkes-Barre and uh, Phantoms days. You know, obviously Pittsburgh against the Flyers was uh, was a big, and that that's always like uh, you know converted down to the minor league system as well. So, yeah. Well, the following year, you come back to the Phantoms, and uh, Stevens is out, and Barubi's the head coach. We actually didn't even talk about the chief. How was uh, how was your interactions with him? Did you get along with the with Craig? Oh yeah, no, he was great. He was good. He was just like, uh, um, he was just you know, I had a lot of respect for him. You know, this guy's grinded grinded out for the really long, and he was just a good players coach. I was really happy to see him have some success last year and everything. So. Um, uh, you know, he was a great guy, and uh, uh, he was a great, you know, was a great coach to uh, kind of uh, to be kind of taught by for sure. So I remember, I remember early in my career, you know, uh, Chief was just like, "Hey, you know what?" Like <laughs> he kind of simplified it. He you know, our our line. It was like me and Riley Cote, and I forget who our our centerman. We always kind of added rotating centerman in there, but it was like, "Hey, your main job." Is just to go out there and not get scored on and give 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 a break to the top two lines of score. <laughs> That's all. So that was kind of like, all right, you know, and, and like obviously go out and 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 try to you know um, play physical and, and such like that. So he kind of just like simplified it for sure. But yeah, those guys like uh, Chiefs and John Stevens were were uh, you know they're always good to me for sure. Well, and this is, of course this is a big year because here you are. October 26th, NHL debut with the Philadelphia Flyers. How, what, what a, I can't even imagine what that feeling is like. What's it like to put on that NHL jersey and, uh, and, and you've now become one of the rare few to play an NHL game? What's that feeling like? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. You know, I guess for, for like, uh, you know, I had less than 100 pro games at that time, you know, so I, I, I it was pretty, you know, surreal, but, that was going back to like you know Paul Holman was like hey you know like we you know we like what you see you know we got a lot of work to do got to get in better shape this and that and then that was just kind of the, I think you know going back uh, you know this that was a reward for all the work I did uh, during the summer man because I grinded I ran a lot of sprints and did a lot of weights burned a lot of calories you know took care of the body you know starting to create some better off ice habits for sure that were that I knew that were going to have to be necessary to have some success. And, uh, you know, I had, and then I, you know, it was great. It was great. I remember my, my parents came down with my uncle as well in Philadelphia and it was a pretty, uh, you know, I was pretty nervous and everything, but, uh, it was pretty, it was a pretty special moment. And actually my first game was against Atlanta, I believe. And, uh, the other guy from my hometown, Shane Knighty, he was playing for Atlanta. So we have two Nipah natives. Uh, yeah, there you playing go. each other in the NHL, so it was pretty kind of a neat moment, and kind of funny how the world uh, aligns like that. So yeah, it was definitely a special moment, and it was it was a lot of fun, man. I, my dad's like, oh man, I can't I couldn't believe he didn't have to take a piss because he drank so much water before the the puck started. So yeah, <laughs> I was obviously pretty pretty nervous, but you know, I remember when I got called up, you know, I was just kind of maybe finished, uh, or maybe I was just kind of getting ready to get practice. Then Paul Holmgren came down and kind of grabbed me aside and said, "Hey, you're gonna get called up. You're gonna go play. You're gonna finish your check. Stick on, you know, stick up for uh, for teammates and such." And I was just like, you know, I was like, "Really?" I was like, "All right." So uh, yeah, it was definitely a pretty uh, pretty surreal. And 
uh, feel extremely blessed till this day that I had an opportunity to do that for sure. Oh, absolutely. It was, uh, well, uh, was Hitchcock coaching still at that point or had he had been fired? He, he, he just got fired. He was there when I was there, but then I think that's kind of what you know, helped me along with uh, John. John Stevens went up and he became head coach. And I think it was only, wasn't, it's only maybe a few days after he got hired that he, he really liked me and supported me. And, um, they're off to like a terrible start. And I felt that they needed, you know, a bit of a character, a little bit of energy in the room. And that's kind of just what I was all about. So, um, um, you know, so I, I got to thank Johnny for, for believing in me for sure. So it, uh, uh, it was kind of just weird because we had a really good, you know, we had a good team. It was, I think it was, you know, I remember correctly, it was a deep team full of some, some older veterans, probably the majority of them past or prime. And the team was just, wasn't, uh, it just really wasn't a, wasn't a good winning team. There's a lot of, a lot of old relics in that team, I remember, but, uh, which is kind of cool because I grew up watching, you know, Darren Hatcher raised down the cops. I was a big, I was a huge Peter Forsberg fan. I really liked his game growing up as well. And I got the pleasure to play with those guys and, uh, so yeah, it was, it was a pretty uh, it's a pretty unique time in my career for sure. Yeah, well you had Simone Gagne and Forsberg, and like you said, and then of course the young guys, you know Mike Richards and Jeff Carter just starting out, and and Upshaw yeah. and them, and like you said with uh, Hatcher and stuff. How how they all how did Forsberg and those guys treat you? Was it all cool? Yeah, it was cool. You know, it was, it was like you know I think at the time I think the, the team record was like three and seven or something like that. So. It wasn't like raw, Rob, you know, so this, you know, those guys, like Darren Hatch would walk in. He's like, he looks like a mummy. He's just wrapped, you know, in every joint and ligament possible. And, uh, there was just a lot of, uh, you know, it was kind of an, uh, eye opener. You know, I was still like, you know, fresh, you know, like kind of somewhat injury free. And I, you know, my, you know, I'm flexible. These guys just kind of walk it in. I was like, oh boy. I was like, oh, okay. That's, that's what it's all about. It says, uh, the commitment that's needed. So, uh, yeah, I, unfortunately, this wasn't there long enough to, to, to grow a lot long in relationship, but uh, definitely feel uh, blessed I, I was able to share the same crust as they were for sure. No, absolutely. You got Cujo going in the background there. Holy. Yeah. <laughs> Mailman just stopped by. Uh-oh. Hey. All right. <laughs> Done now. So, yeah. Well, the, uh, so the next year with the Phantoms, you come back, 07, 08, um, a couple of your teammates I just wanted to ask you about were, uh, one of them was, uh, Jesse Bullerace. Did you get along with him? Yeah. I did, yeah. Yeah, I hung out with Jesse quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of, I, I, you know, I remember I fought Jesse probably the, the season before that when he was in, the, I think it was the Albany as well. He was in the Carolinas, uh, farm team. I fought Jesse a couple times. Tough guy, so, uh, saw him come up and he was yeah he was really good he was a really nice guy so uh definitely another you know tough guy so we always kind of uh all the idiots kind of attract each other got along with him really well so he showed me how to play uh uh poker stars on online so we're like heavy heavy into poker stars when you're still allowed to uh uh, and legally play poker. Yep. Oh yeah, I think at that time I think we all were. Oh yeah, we were hitting that hard. Yeah, the online poker. Yeah, we poker. were too. And yep. he would he would uh, he would call me. He's like, hey man, my computer's about to die. You need to go log on. Here's my here's my login information. I'm in the middle of a game. 
you need to hold me off until I, I get back to my computer. And I'm like, all right, you know, I get on it. And we're just like absolute degenerate gamblers. It was, it was terrible. <laughs> it was bad. Those guys were like, I was lucky enough. I wasn't, I wasn't making huge money. So I wasn't able to, to bet a lot of money. But, uh, yeah, we spent a lot of, uh, a lot of hours staring at that uh, computer screen playing Poker Stars. Yeah, for per diem checks if you're going through there. Yeah, yeah, um, no, yeah uh, absolutely. So. Yeah, well, um, you know, oh seven, oh eight. You kind of you, <clears throat> actually, you know, pretty decent year. Ten goals, you know, and uh, twelve tilts. I mean, you end up fighting Big Mac there and uh, in Providence, and you, you know, uh, you know, Dale Purrington, Grant Marshall, Kip Brennan. I mean, so you're taking on the names. Um, were you a little disappointed at that point about not getting called up? Or, uh, like, how did that year, was it frustrating uh, for you at all? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. But, uh, you know, looking back now, I had nobody else to blame except myself. And I, unfortunately, I had, like, uh, I just didn't react in the right way. Maybe it went a little bit to my, much of my head, a little bit lost focus on the ultimate goal. Um, and kind of just made it expecting, like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, work hard. It's not actually supposed to happen, but, uh, you know, everybody was, you know, the organization was kind of in the law. You know, they're trying to get back up to where they where they wanted to be. And, uh, and unfortunately, I didn't put myself in the best situation to be a part of that uh, that plan. So, uh, you know, that's on me and everything. And uh, by the end of it, I was kind of just became uh, just a little too, too high maintenance. And, uh, you know, I ended up just kind of, uh, overstaying my welcome, unfortunately, and I definitely—that's nobody's fault except my own. So, but uh, uh, you know, to this day, I still, you know, those guys uh, are the ones that uh, took the first chance on me, gave them the first first taste of uh, NHL experience, and uh, definitely helped me, you know, you know, get started. And uh, you know, the rest of my career would never happen without them. So it's. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a business, so it's yep. uh, and unfortunately, I, I, I kind of just didn't do the I didn't do all the right things. So, like I said, just like uh, you know, I pushed out you know some guys early in my career. Same thing happens. You know, they're always kind of looking for bigger, faster, stronger, tougher guys. So, uh, you know, um, you know, it was definitely a wake up call for me for sure. So, well, a so, blessing in this in, in disguise. Well, there you go. Well, the following year, so you signed with uh, Nashville. <laughs> And yeah, uh, you know, you end up uh, playing in the with the Milwaukee Admirals. How was your How was your time in Milwaukee? Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. I, my my relationship with with Nashville didn't really start off because I think there was there was a big problem with like ownership there. Like, uh, I think the, the the owner was like, um, I don't know, he's like investigating for tax fraud and stuff like that. So the budget was really low. I felt like I got. You know, on my contract, I definitely wasn't getting compensated for what I believed in. But then, uh, you know, Paul Fenton was just like, hey, you know, this is how it is. Like, here, take it or leave it. And then we had some problems with my immigration papers. Uh, Nashville um, wouldn't help me out with it. You know, I had to go jump on a plane. I had to take a train down to Baltimore, jump on the plane uh, to Buffalo, jump in the cab. Go get my paperwork stamped and do it all. I spent like a two, like a day and a half trying to get my immigration papers because uh, Nashville refused to think that it was it was their responsibility. So it was kind of when I early got there, it was kind of like a dirty, sour taste in my mouth. But um, uh, when I got in, you know, uh, 
when I got into Milwaukee, uh, Lane Lambert was there, and uh, I think once I got it kind of adjusted, it was a, it was a really good fit for me. So, um, you know, also it was like one of those things when you go back getting traded the first time to Vancouver, you're just like, oh man, like I was just like got traded again. You're you know, I just spent the last three years in Philadelphia. I'm comfortable, you know. Now I'm going to a city that I already know where the hell it is, you know, <laughs> like so, yeah. Um, you know, just exciting times, but also just like, all right, you know, clock's ticking. You know, we got we got some work to do, and like here we here we go. So, you know, let's figure it out. So it's, uh, you know, looking back, looking back at the, you know, getting those, uh, so still signing those NHL deals. You know, that they won't last forever because you know the time that uh, you know later in my career, I would have loved to get you know maybe just like a five thousand dollar raise and uh, still be on an NHL contract. So. Uh, you definitely learn. You learn that sometimes for the hard way. So, uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. I was happy to, to spend some time in Milwaukee. Well, yeah. Well, then even in Nashville, the preseason, you had a couple of rumbles there. You fought Morasti again and uh, ran into that damn nasty Morasti again in Columbus <laughs> and uh, Sestino. And uh, th- was there any? Um, did kind of Nashville give you any? Like they were going to keep you around? Like, did you think you had any shot with the Predators, or was it uh, pretty much Milwaukee bound right away? Um, I don't, I don't really know. Like, looking, uh, like uh, I, I was like one of the last guys to get sent back to Milwaukee. So you obviously think there's always going to be an opportunity or a chance. Um, yeah, the funny thing with Morasti, like, you know, Barry Trot made it very clear that uh, um, he didn't want anybody fighting Morasti. So I'm like, so, well, I, did, I also didn't say this to Barry, but I'm thinking like, well, you know, what the fuck do you want me to do? Like, this guy is going to be tapping me, chasing around the ice. You know, I'm here to, you know, to show, yeah. you know, what my, my abilities are. And uh, so um, so I ended up having this, you know, the, you know, a great, great tilt and everything. And, uh, and um, you know, yeah, everybody was, you know, I remember, like, Shea Weber gave me some taps and the shit pads and everything, and he was, um, you know, really supportive of that. But, yeah, it was just kind of like, those, those preseason games, man, they're, they're grinds for sure. Like, it's, it's a stressful time, those camps. Like, that's like, after I retired, I was just like, man, I don't miss those, those training camps for sure. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, going into Nashville, like, you know, like, uh, you know, they traded me for a reason, for sure. So, you know, but, uh, you know, deep down, I knew I still had some 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 growth to do and uh, some figuring out. So uh, yeah, in the long term, you know, going going to Milwaukee and and learning from Lane was was definitely a, you know I was a better player after after all said and done after that. So well, you brought up an interesting thing. So you have Trots there telling you, you know, like okay, stay away from this guy or whatever. Of course, you're you're sitting there thinking, well, like I'm not going to pump home three tonight, buddy. Like, what do you think I'm here for? I mean, yeah, did you um. Did you have that through? Did you ever uh, throughout times in your career? Did you ever have a coach kind of you know put the leash on you or the red light? Like, and how frustrating was that? Like, did you ever have to? Like, I've talked to some guys and they like literally had to like look at the bench to get the green light. Like, how frustrating is that? Or like, did you ever have to go through any of that? Mm, no, I think that 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 situation is really kind of only only time. Uh, you know, I don't know, like. I mean, yeah, at that, I mean, at that point, there's a lot of coaches. I mean, you've done it for long enough now. Yeah. Like, you know when the time is. Like, I mean, it's not every yeah. – I mean, it's not the Quebec League. I mean, you know, it's not fight every yeah. shift or anything. But, I mean, you guys, after a while, know when to do it and when not to. And, 
you know, yeah. pretty much get left up to your own joy, uh, devices. Yeah. No, 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 for sure. And that's what was great about Philadelphia because he had guys that did that for a living. So, yeah. um, I ne- I've never in my career got a tap on the shoulder or, or got pushed out. He just knew. Yeah. And if you, and you're only, get, you're only getting a tap when you didn't do it. Yeah. You know, probably not in the game, but probably you get pulled, pulled in the office. It's like, Hey, let's be aware. Let's not forget, you know, our roles and what the necessity things are. You know, to, for our team to be successful, I was like yeah, absolutely for sure. So, um, so yeah, having you know, like yeah, maybe a couple times have coaches like put a leash on you. You know, and I think in that I didn't, I did not like that because usually yeah. the majority of the time, it's a coach that has never been in that situation, never been in that role. So I immediately, you know, got got upset about that for sure. You know, because now you're handicapping someone. And preventing someone from showing like your ability, like so that's to me that's kind of a bit of a mind game for sure. You know, well, like, I was hey, gonna, I was... to fight, but I only you're, you're only allowed to go fight the guys that I I think. So it was like, well, it don't they don't it don't work that way. You no, wow, well, so, like you said, the the role's already a mind fuck to begin with. I don't need you yeah. adding to it here. You know, like yeah, yeah. Well, I was yeah, gonna ask you when like, we were talking like, about when we were talking about Milwaukee, well, Philadelphia too, but just as I was thinking about it as you were talking, I, I've heard through the grapevine that you were a pretty decent ball player back in the day. Is that true? You're a pretty good baseball player? Uh, no, no, I don't really think so. I, I have some other friends are, that turned out to be a, a good ball players and everything. I, I was, uh, you know, at times I was a pretty, I was a pretty high end athlete. I, um, I actually won a provincial gold in javelin one year in high school, so I was a good, I was a good like track. I wouldn't say track star, but uh, you know, I was a good sprinter, and uh, I could definitely uh, huck a good spear. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you at, go. At one point in my career, uh, yeah. At one point in my career as well, but yeah, we we obviously like um, you know saying earlier that yeah we we did those all those summer things. You know, it wasn't like not like today. Kids are playing hockey like twenty four seven, and. Um, you know, we all, I had I had all you know because I grew up with the same group of friends, like the same guys that played minor hockey with. We're going out, then we're playing ball. Yeah. You know, then we're going we're going snowmobiling, and we're doing all this kind of bullshit. So, uh, no, I wouldn't say I was a I was a elite ball player by any means, but I was definitely uh, I was a I was a pretty athletic, gifted kid for sure. Well, I was gonna say in Milwaukee, did you do you guys ever get involved with anything with the Brewers, with like Braun and all those uh, guys? Uh. At the odd time, the, the captain got the chance to throw the first pitch. So I've seen it. Uh, Nolan Yonkin, Yonkman did it once, I think. I think Lane Lambert did it a couple times. I, I honestly, I probably would have been way too nervous, and I probably would have... Uh, you would have <laughs> nu- nuked nu- it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Ten-cent head, million-dollar arm, for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, uh, but yeah, I played a little bit of, uh, senior ball the one off season. I was just like, hey, you know, like, I want to, I want to try ball again. Keep, you know, keep the mechanics going on different sports. So I think it was like maybe my, maybe my third or fourth year pro. I went and played some senior ball with, uh, my buddies in the local town. So, uh, but that didn't really last very long. I was going to say, don't let the, don't let the hockey team find out about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I went out and it was, it was pretty cool. It was the first time I kind of played competitive ball in probably a decade, but it was something I wanted to do. 
they were kind of short on players, so I went out and bought some cleats and a glove, and uh, I, was, I was a ball player for one summer. So, <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I was gonna. Uh, you got a, you got a few games in in Nashville. You played three games with them, um, and in camp, did you have any uh, interaction with the uh, with Wade Belak? Uh, yeah, he was there a little bit when I was there, obviously. Um, didn't really get to know him that well. Um, you know, Tutu was there at the same time. Yeah. Ran ran hard with him a a few few nights, you know. Um, uh, who else? There's still some older guys there, like Arnott. Jason Arnott was there. Scotty Nichols, um, you know, some guys like that. Um, Hamus and Leguan and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but it was still like a, definitely a veteran deep team. And I remember my second year, well, actually, even going back to my first year in Milwaukee, I had a really, I was kind of starting to come on my own. I was, you know, I was, I was, I, I told Blaine that I was, you know, I was unhappy with like the ice time I was getting. And, uh, you know, so we found a role and I got into like a, you know, a serious, like a shutdown line and a checking role. Uh, then I was like, uh, I quickly evolved into like a, uh, I guess like uh, PK specialist, um, so I kill, I kill a lot of penalties. And unfortunately, uh, in early January of that season, I uh, I uh, ended up coming out blocking a shot and breaking my jaw, and I was you know I was out for about uh, two and a half months. So I uh, um, <laughs> then 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 the assistant GM at the time uh, I forget his name was. But he was like, yeah, too bad to hear about the no, it was, uh, not not the assistant GM. Paul Fenton was the assistant GM, but it was someone else there, and he's like, oh, you know, unfortunately you got injured, we're just about to call you up. So I was just like, oh, thank you, asshole. <laughs> it's just like, that makes me really feel so much better with my, uh, yeah, my like, jaw being wired, wired shut, man. I was like, thanks, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, why even bring that up at that point? Like, come yeah. on, man. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you just kick yeah. me in my balls and take my wallet while I were here? Yeah. Jesus. You know? Yeah, so I, yeah, that was kind of a... I'm not gonna say I didn't play more games than HL because I got uh, untimely injuries, but those injuries are definitely uh you know, they're never good. They never they never help. You yeah. know, so uh it's just un- unfortunate how it is. But uh you know, Lane came out to me, I was still like I was still kinda working on my, my fitness a little bit for sure. So Lane's just like, Oh, you know, like grandma like, well you know, maybe it's a little bit of a blessing in disguise. So sure enough, like I can still work out. I can still bag skate. I can still run, do sprints on the on the treadmill, and lift all these weights. And um, and uh, but I couldn't eat. Yeah. <laughs> so I I end up just getting absolutely like shredded. Yeah. <laughs> During the two and a half months. So then uh, you know I came back to playoffs, and man, I was in great shape, and it that kind of carried me on for the next uh, couple years. And I kind of it definitely kind of boosted my fitness, uh, unfortunately. So, but it, it was. Oh, the only thing I had to do was wire my wire my jaw shut. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, you, yeah. you, at that end of the year, there you part ways with uh, Nashville. You kind of signed with Florida, uh, or you went to the preseason with Florida with the Panthers. Yeah. Um, had, had a little tilt with Leech with Lucic. Uh, yeah. And um, you know what was, and then you ended up in uh, Rochester with the Americans. One of yeah. the uh, what a. What historic American Hockey League uh, team? Uh, what was your time for your yeah. one season in Rochester? I know you guys weren't, you know, rough season and everything, but uh, how did you like it? Oh, it was terrible. Like it, it was really exciting. I got 
I got signed. Like, I was Florida's first guy they signed, which I, I didn't think I really had that kind of season in Milwaukee and Nashville. But I think I recall I kind of had, like, a career year. I had, like, you know, I had over 200 pims. I had, yep. you know, 25, 26 coins. You know, the plus, you know, my plus minus was good. So I definitely showed that I wasn't just a one-dimensional player anymore i was willing to uh, you know i was willing to still play a hard-nosed game but was also able to uh contribute uh in other ways as well so uh but you know i you know so i had you know florida had a lot of high hopes for me and um just unfortunate i went in and didn't really have a great camp uh uh then about uh you know a couple weeks into my my time in rochester i was starting to uh gain traction again, and then I end up uh, hitting this guy open ice in uh, Abbotsford, uh, Calgary's farm team at the time, and uh, he kind of dodged me out of the way, and his kneecap hit me in the kidney, and I end up finding out um, that I lost her in my kidney in like in two or three different spots. Uh, and, and I was out for about three months. I was kind of almost like bedridden. I couldn't do anything. So... Uh, that kind of just like set the tone for the remainder of that season in Rochester. We were a very good team. You know, I missed like a lot of time through that injury and, uh, you know, lost a lot of the fitness that I gained over the, the couple of years. I was in the Nationals organization. So yeah, it was, it was a bit of a disaster. It ended up being like a, going a total 180 than I, than I had hopes for. But, uh, you know, looking back now, you can't have good seasons without bad. And that was definitely a bad one, unfortunately. So, uh, Kind of, I think, I think I have like uh, a lot of my jerseys are hanging up, but I, I, I don't think I, don't, I think I might have gave my Rochester Americans jersey to a fan or something. Something yeah. I did not, I did not like. I just kind of like want to omit that. I, I wish I could go online and just kind of delete that entire season out of there. But uh, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. It happens. Well, like you said, you moved on the following year, and now you're in OKC, you're Oklahoma City Barons, and uh, you know uh, Todd Nelson's the coach. And then you have a group of assistant coaches who are probably the toughest assistant coaches ever with uh, Rocky Thompson and Jerry Fleming. Um, how, how, how did you enjoy OKC? That was crazy, man. So this shows how quickly uh, how quickly you go from here to zero. So on, uh, the year before, I go July 1st, first guy, the Florida Panthers sign. Then I just have a... a just a, a terrible season with injuries and this play were just awful. And then I don't get a PTO until October first. So with the, within a within a year, like not well more than a year, but uh, things things drastically changed. But uh, I, I took advantage of uh, the longer off season. I went back to Vancouver, trained with Ian Gallagher, uh, got in the best shape as I possibly could, just kind of stayed ready. Um, very, very high stress, uh, time of my life for sure. You know, I was just kind of like on the decline for, but, um, yeah, my agent found, uh, found me the gig and, and I signed a PTO, which was really, which was like new. I was just like, all right, you know, we're on the, we're on the clock here, but it came out. I had, I was in great shape, but I think I ended up scoring two goals the first game and, uh, they definitely needed elements that I brought, and uh, you know I went and joined a team that was uh, pretty deep uh, with uh, you know vets and uh, high end skill as well. We ended up having going on for for a deep run, and I uh, I think 
I think in my first 25 games in my PTO, I think I was like third in goal scoring. So I had a hot stick and, uh, I was definitely, uh, you know, Tom Nelson was really good, good, good with me. I, I became, I remember coming to his office. He didn't know who the hell I was or, or, uh, you know, what I did, <laughs> something like that. But like then meeting, meeting Rocky and Jerry, they were great too. And Rocky was, was a great, uh, great guy to talk to as well. So, uh, um, we had a lot of fun that year. A lot of fun with that. We were just, we couldn't, we couldn't stop winning and we ran into a, a really good Toronto Marlies team in the, in the conference finals. And, uh, so which, which kind of stings. But, uh, yeah, that, that year in Oklahoma City, man, that was a lot of fun. Well, speaking of Rocky, I mean, he's gone on to have great success as a coach at the, you know, won the Memorial Cup in the, with Windsor and, uh, had some solid finals here in the American Hockey League. And of course, anytime there's an NHL coaching change, I mean, there's kind of, it gets not, his name gets brought up. And I mean, everybody keeps saying it's just a matter of time before he gets an NHL head coaching gig. Um, could you see that with him when you was coaching there? How did you get along with him? And how was, are, are you surprised by his coaching success? No, 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 no. Rocky was a really good. Like he, when I was there, like it's my understanding that he was in, uh, I guess uh, Edmonton's uh, junior team at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I think when he came down to to Oklahoma City, he was kind of uh, the eye in the sky for the first couple uh, periods, and he would come on, put on this Tom Landry hat on the bench for the third period, and then uh, <laughs> yeah, he was a real character, man. He he came out, he he get the guys pumped up. He do this crazy like uh intro he would sing songs before the game he was just an absolute uh this absolute machine he was just like working out hard he was just like uh you know he was really open about his uh you know his battle with uh addiction and such and he was you know i always had questions about that and he was really open about it and he was he was a great uh he's a great role model and i when when uh, chicago comes into grand rapids always make a Try to make an effort to go stop by and see him in the hall, and he's always he's always a super nice guy. So I have nothing but respect for guys like uh, like Rocky. It's not going to be it won't be too long until he's getting an opportunity up top as well. And um, you know it's kind of funny. It's just like he kind of you know what you say to these guys that you know like Craig Berube and, and yep. uh, you know Rocky they're having this great great success yeah, as coaches. You know you know people like are just kind of bashing. They just don't get it. So. Uh, yeah. oh. Guys are, are these guys are the salt? These are the guys of the salt of the earth, and uh, you know they've uh, they're not like the guys. You know, yeah, Rocky was absolute maniac. Chief was too when they played. Uh, their understanding and their respect and, and the knowledge of the game is, is uh, second to none. They had uh, some success, you know, some some big big time success in their you know uh, in the early parts of their coaching careers. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Don't even get me started on fighting with the media about Rocky and stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I, you've seen it. I've had that war with James Myrtle and the hockey news for years on Twitter. And they're just yeah, shit talking yeah. Rocky. Oh, he's some dummy and everything else. And oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Memorial Cup and Calder Cup finals later. Shut up, Myrtle, you moron. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They yeah. just don't know. Like, those. Yeah, like Rocky's a prime example of someone that has just absolutely been at. Uh, you know, I don't want to speak for Rocky, but he's been a guy that's been probably in a really some really low places, and he's 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 uh, climbed farther than a lot of other people that are made me today. He's he's almost at the top again. So, uh, yeah, nothing nothing but respect for guys like Chief and and Rocky for sure. Absolutely. Well, the next year. 
Well, it's sort of, uh, you know, it's funny how thing, how life goes and where you end up. You go to Grand Rapids, and uh, you sign with the Red Wings, and you're in Grand Rapids. And a big year, you guys win the Calder Trophy, and uh, how was your first... Well, you've made Grand Rapids your home, so obviously you enjoyed it, but uh, what, what was it like playing for the Griffins? Uh, you know, I always knew well, playing when playing Milwaukee. You know, played played in Grand Rapids a lot, so I knew it was kind of a it was a great place to play. You always had great atmospheres. Um, yeah, I think you know Grand Rapids called you know late on July first, maybe it was July second, and I was just like, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't an NHL deal. I was uh, I had a really good year in Oklahoma City. I kind of got a hot stick again. You know, have some success, so I really was trying to get back on an NHL deal. Um, I didn't really want to risk it. You know, obviously, American League deal could always be turned into an NHL deal and everything, but so, um, you know, I decided to go take a chance in Grand Rapids, and uh, I knew there's a new coach there. Uh, there's a couple of the guys that are uh, vets that were coming in that I knew, um, and it turned out to be one of the, one of the most successful uh you know, winning winning careers of my life. So we we played a lot of hockey. We had an unbelievable group of guys, and uh, it, it was a, it was a, definitely a season I'll never forget. I, well, so uh, uh, winning the call, how big of a you know? Obviously, you win the the, the championship there, and uh, um, hey, anytime you can bring home a championship, what's uh, what's that? What was that feeling like? It was good. It was great. You know, like I never won a championship before, so like even in the finals, like, I was like nervous. You know, like it was just like it was, it was high, high tension for sure, high stress. You know, but you're just, you know, um, had a, you know some taste with the season before going to conference finals. So can I? It wasn't totally new um, territory to be playing in June and stuff like that. So, but uh, I felt like I was always able to kind of amp up my game and uh, go up a couple levels of playoff hockey. So, um, man, we all we all played a great game. Ended up scoring a couple big goals in the conference finals. So, man, it was great. And it's, uh, man, I was uh, we we partied a lot. It was it was a great time. By the time I got the color cup in Nepal, man, I was just like, get this thing out of here, man. I, I want to sleep. So it, was, <laughs> it, it was good, man. Like and then the thing is, like yeah, we were like we. I think our last game was June twenty first or twenty third, something like that. You know, then we got to go back to Traverse City in in uh, in August. Uh, I mean, like uh, early September. I was just like, oh boy. So uh, me and the older guys, Jeff Hogan, Nathan Page, and Brandon Evans, is like, hey, like we don't, we are like, hey, we're on American League deal. We don't want to do this fitness test. Like and they're like. Uh, yeah, okay, that's fine. Like, we don't, we don't care, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We're like, yeah, we know why we're here, you know. So, but uh, we kind of, we kind of, it was nice going up to Traverse City. We were like staying in a nice resort, right in the golf course. You kind of like, you know, almost like, almost like it's, it felt like we're still kind of decompressing a little bit yeah. uh, from the season. You know, we obviously wanted to do it again uh, the following year. We still had a really good team, so uh, came up a little bit short the next year, but. Uh, yeah, definitely feel really blessed to be a part of that organization in that year. So that was a lot of fun. Well, one of the guys, I mean, I just wanted to ask you about, uh, did you have a little, look like you had a little rivalry with, was uh, Riley Grantham. Did, oh. <laughs> was there a personal thing there? Because, I mean, you guys fought like four times that year. 
Man, I don't know. This guy, this like, this the guy wouldn't leave me alone. He wouldn't leave me alone. Like, I was he was a young kid. He was trying to make a name for himself, and uh, uh, he just didn't do it in the best way possible. You know, I was at that time. I was a pretty established, you know, tough guy in the American League, and uh, you know, so was, uh, you see a lot of up and coming guys. You know, yep. take shots and everything. But this guy, you know, like uh, he at that time, like I wasn't. Like, I was trying to, like, all right, you know, like, the game, you could see the game was changing pretty quickly. Like, guys are getting weeded out that were one-dimensional. So, I'm just like, dude, like, I want to get back to, like, you know, playing more than, like, five, six minutes. I like to get up to that 9, 10, 11, 12-minute area. And it's like, I don't, you know, fighting scrubs like you isn't going to, you know, get me there. So, uh, definitely kind of lost some patience with that. Um yeah, that guy, you know, he's a tough kid for sure, but he just didn't do it in a very respectful way. He kind of jumped me a couple times, you know. I can see from his, his side of the story that, you know, hey, you got to give me an opportunity. You know, I gave him multiple opportunities. And, like, this guy, I, I remember fighting him, like, yeah, the three or four times, and I just gave it to him every time. So I'm just like, dude, I don't know what else I need to do to, like, give you a shot. So you're obviously not up to par right now. So, um that's just kind of how it went. So yeah, there's definitely a couple couple guys. I'm just like, you know, I wasn't in the mood to entertain, you know, giving opportunities to guys if they weren't going to be, you know, respectful about it. So I think he was one of those example, one of those guys, unfortunately. Well, it's interesting you brought that up, and, and like I was going to bring this up later, but we can do it now. Um, as you played the minors, you went, you saw a lot of change because change happened real quick, really. I mean, like you said, with guys getting weeded out, of course, then the, the, you know, the mandatory visor rule and everything comes in and, and all that. I mean, as the game changed, do you think it was, um, better or worse? The changes? Um, I didn't really, I didn't really hate it because like deep down, like I, I, I couldn't, I think this is one of the reasons why I kind of, limited my time in the NHL is like I really couldn't get fully committed to like playing that role. Yeah. Cause that is a very challenging role to do. And, uh, you know, I, I remember I recall saying earlier in the, in the podcast tonight, it was like, um, you know, we don't like play street hockey, dream of squaring off in center ice. We, we still like dream about, you know, scoring the big goals and everything. And I was still trying to, I was trying to, to conquer that, you know, I just wasn't really, I felt like I was definitely uh, greatly um, underachieving with just being a one-dimensional. So deep down, I, I wanted to be, you know, that, uh, you know, the big like Chris Draper, you know, Darren McCarty kind of guy, score some big goals, play, make some big plays, going to be a leader and stuff like that. And that's what I was, I was still kind of striving to do. So when those when those rules came in, you know, even like the, the 10 fight rule and stuff like that, I wasn't really too buttered about it, you know. So um, I didn't really lose much sleep about it. I actually ended up kind of playing better, and it was, it was good. It kind of almost gave me an excuse to kind of focus on actually playing. And uh, because I knew if I was still going down that same road of like, you know, fighting 25 times a, a season, you know, that, that was definitely going to run its course pretty quickly. So, um you know, so I knew I knew my career wasn't going to last uh, much longer if I if I did that. So I I, I understood that I needed to change. So yeah. or adapt, I guess, is more of an appropriate word. Yeah. Well, uh, so you go. Actually, it's funny. You end up back in Milwaukee, and you actually kind of you, you know you're 30 years old, um, and but you had a big year. Like uh, you know, like you said, 13 goals, and 
how like at that point were you? Uh, were you yeah, I mean, you're 30 years old. You're getting to the you're getting to the end of the line. Um, what uh, what was your feeling after that season? Uh, well, Dean Everson called me. I had him as a coach in Vancouver for a couple of years. Yes. Uh, obviously played against him because he's been in Milwaukee for a couple of years when I was in Grand Rapids. Uh, they called me like maybe like the third week of July. Called me. They like, hey, signed anybody yet? It's like, no, I haven't. Um, uh, you know, Dean, Dean vouched for me and, uh, I knew Dean had a really high standard for fitness and, I absolutely. I was kind of at that age. I was kind of healthy for a couple seasons, so I didn't really have any excuse to kind of to take it easy and be kind of cautionary in the gym and stuff. So I was healthy, and I I absolutely hit the the gym super hard. I was doing CrossFit every morning for an hour. Then I was going, uh, then doing, then hitting the pads, doing boxing and skipping and running for another hour. And I did that religiously for about. Uh, um, for about three, four months. Um, so I, when I came into the uh, 2930, I, I was almost at like my physical peak. I was about, uh, you know, 220 pounds and I was about, uh, you know, you know, 11% body fat, which was pretty, was pretty lean for, for my body type for sure. So I was, I was feeling confident, um, physically for sure. My games, uh, you know, my puck skills and hockey IQ were, were, were there. And I was, you know, I, you know, I worked really hard and ended up having a really good season. So it, uh, um, yeah, it kind of, you know, it was good. It was a lot of fun. We didn't, we ended up coming short in, in uh, the season, um, didn't make the playoffs, uh, which is definitely a disappointment. But, uh, you know, personally, like I, there was a lot of growth that, that went on that year. So, um, but that year, I definitely like, hey, you know, maybe I'm not done yet. I could show I could play, I could play. It could bring some different elements to to the to the team and provide in different ways. So it, uh, it almost kind of like uh, somewhat reinvented myself. So I was really excited about that. Well, you had a couple. I was just going to ask you about a couple teammates: uh, Rich Clune and uh, Michael Limbus. No, oh, yeah, yeah. We, had, you know, it's funny thing, man. Like when you go back, like uh, you know, I'm still friends with Scott Ford. I talk to him all the time. He's assistant coach in Milwaukee, and. Uh, Man, like when we went to when I was in Milwaukee, we had some really tough teams as well. Like uh, um, maybe not as quite as like your legendary heavyweights as we did when I was playing in, on that uh, Eastern Conference with Philadelphia and Bingo and Wilkesbury and such. But uh, we had uh, you know the first year I went there in '09, we had Young and uh, Scott Ford, Kelsey Wilson, uh, me. So there's like four guys right there that were. were yeah. We're pretty tough guys. Then that uh, second tour of duty in Milwaukee, yeah, we had uh, we had uh, Scott Ford again, uh, me, uh, Mike Leambis, Richard Clune. We had we always had tough teams and, and like sneaky kind of tough teams in Milwaukee for um, and that you know for for a, a division that isn't really really known to be like super tough, but we had some really tough teams and. In Milwaukee, and obviously uh, Dean being there was an old school type of guy. He always made it made it clear that it was a necessity to have uh, some sandpaper guys come in for sure. So that always makes it pretty pretty fun on and off the ice for sure. Yeah, well, you had a couple run-ins there with Daniel Maggio. I know you had a couple good ones with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was another. He was another young, younger, tough guy that um, 
I was just kind of chopping the bit, big tough kid, you know. Uh, definitely uh, at that time, I was like, uh, you know, I knew what I had to do. I still had to prove that I was willing to do that part of the game, um, you know. But uh, you know, but so I, at that time, I was a pretty experienced guy, so a little bit wiser, uh, fought a little bit smarter, you know. So because <laughs> at yep. that time, you know, you've been you've been caught a couple times, whether it's been on the chin or. Or uh, on the top of the head or the nose or something like that. So you kind of you, you learn. You're a little bit cautionary, but uh, at that point, you're almost just trying to survive. So there's always you always got to be on your toes. Like later in my career, you know, there's still young guys coming, and they 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 got something to prove, just like you did, you know, ten years before as well. So yeah, well, speaking of that, yeah, I was going to ask you off just uh, while we're talking with the with the kind of a loss. I mean, you know, you had Crosty and Jimmy Bono and. And I mean, they kind of caught you. And like you said, every, I mean, you know, you fight long enough, you're going to get caught. You're going to take one. And, um, when, when, when you get like kind of knocked out or TK out or whatever you want to call it like that, take a tough loss. Um, at any point where you kind of like gun shy, get like, do you want to get back into it right away? Or are you a little hesitant? What were your feelings on that? Oh, it's, you're definitely like, at times you're gun shy for sure. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a scary feeling, man. It's, it's yeah. hard to like explain to guys that never really done it. So it's just like, man, it's just like, it's, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was never really too worried about getting hurt, getting knocked out. It was like, what <laughs> is about letting teammates down and letting coaches down. That was the absolute worst feeling. Yeah. I, I would have got like, I would have had, every tooth knocked out in the fight before actually losing the fight and laying my teammates down. That was, that's the biggest, you know, kick in the junk ever in that feeling was that, that dagger to the guts, man. That was, that was the biggest fear I ever had was just letting the guys down for sure. Without a doubt. Yeah. With, uh, yeah, well just, yeah, like you said, that, uh, well, I was going to ask you this before. I mean, I'm kind of going all over the place with this, but in terms of the fighting, um, and I've asked all the different guys that we've had on and, uh, the answer, you know, when did you start getting kind of comfortable? Like the first couple of times I always say, you know, it's like rage fighting, you know, and whatever you're kind of freaking out and spazzing. When did everything start kind of slowing down for you? And you started kind of, you know, you start thinking about what you're going to do. Oh, a cross grip here, or duck here. Or when did yeah. that, all, when did that happen for you? A couple years into well, junior? I- or did it ever? Yeah, maybe. You know, it's just like, um, you know, I guess the best way to, for me to explain it is it's like after the first couple of ever fights I ever had, it's like some kind of ultimate high. And then you yep. end up chasing this high for as long as you possibly can. Because winning the fight and having your teammates, you know, pat you on the ass and do that, that's an unbelievable, that's an um, So you keep chasing that for as long as you can. Um, it comes to the point that, all right, um, we're going to switch gears here. We're just going to try to survive. You know, if opportunity comes that I could open up and maybe catch someone and, and really, you know, get into it, let's do that. But, uh, towards the end, I think, you know, I don't know who it was, but, you know, guys are starting to get more, a little more off season training about it. Guys are getting in the gym about it, maybe doing some mixed martial arts, doing some, some dirty boxing training and uh, really, really like, uh, you know, at the same time the MMA was really starting to take off as well. So 
you take notes on like, hey, you know, like you got to really prepare for this and, uh, you know, you're definitely gaining a huge advantage when you're doing it in the ring and on the off season is actually, that's going to transfer to, uh, more success, more, more confidence on the ice for sure. So, um, I don't know exactly when that, that kind of happened, probably around those times I went to Milwaukee, you know, so, cause like, you know, the, um, you become a little bit less fearless. You become a little more intelligent. So you're just like, all right, you know, you've been a couple of times you've been tagged and uh, you've kind of lost a couple of fights. You're like, all right, what can I do to prevent this? So, um, you know, then you go back to drawing, drawing board and you kind of change things up. So, uh, like I said, it wasn't really – still a little, like, piss and vinegar, but definitely not like uh, Vancouver Giant days where you have, like, 35, 36 fights. Yeah. So you well, definitely got to switch gears. And it's just like a – you know, it's going back to, the you know, survival. Yeah, well, and I I don't know if I asked you this before while we were kind of going, but I mean, you, when you turned pro, you had so many tough teammates. I mean, you know, from the Riley Cotes and the Josh Grattons to well, help the coaches Baruby and Rocky and and all these guys. Did uh, did you guys like? Did you guys go over a lot of like practice? Did you practice like fight with each other and work on different things and talk about it a lot, or was it just sort of let's just see what happens? Rocky was like, Rocky was just like, oh, Granter, man, that was an unbelievable fucking fight. Or oh, I wouldn't say fuck, but you know, we say frick because he never, he never swore. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he's just like, he's just like, um, like you, you take a lot of punches, eh? He's like, yeah, I do. He's like, I, I just do it because I think I can. And um, he's like, you know, so he gave me some pointers and like that, that. You know, I think he was just like, he kind of was just like, yeah. I was in the exact same position as you, and I know that doesn't really end up well either. So, you know, that's kind of when you, when you hear, when you're willing to to learn and listen to someone like Rocky tell you that, you're just like, all right, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I should switch up the game plan here and there. So, uh, you know, definitely fortunate. Definitely, he's definitely saved a couple of brain cells with tell, telling me that for sure. So, um yeah, and, and you know, yeah, like yeah, Chiefs as well. So those guys, like they're, it's hard to say. You know, like, even when I go back to the offices in Nepal, and you got like one kid that's you know playing for the natives, or he's got like a trial in the West League, and like, uh, you know, they they contact my mom and like, hey, such and such wants a couple tips on fighting. I'm just like, all right, like, I I, I don't really know what to tell these guys. Like, yeah, I, I could I could teach you how to like hold here and you know, tell you not to put your head down and I could I could teach you how to survive and limit the damage you're gonna take, but I really can't tell you um how to go out and compete and, and fight for your life and fight for your teammates. That just comes w- within for you. That you gotta be born with that. So uh that's kind of the difference between the guys that do that and the guys that don't. Well, it's like the big divide, right? That's the separation if you can do it or not. And it's like yeah, like you said, it's not something that you can uh you, you, yeah, you either do, you can't, you know, you can either, you either have that or you don't, right? And it, uh, yeah. you know, but, um, yeah, well, just kind of, uh, oh, and, and another thing I wanted to ask you about with, uh, with kind of, I've talked to a few guys about this with, uh, with the jerseys. Did, were you ever a jersey? Did you like you know, always tie down or did you kind of go with like bigger sleeves or did you do, did you have any jersey alterations in your day? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did uh, in, in junior hockey. I did for sure, for sure. Got the tighter, got the tighter sleeves on. Had some custom Vancouver Giants jerseys made. 
probably shouldn't say that, but yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. Every, everyone else was doing it. Too. Well, yeah. And, he, uh, you know, like I remember, um, uh, uh, what was his name? It was a tough guy out of uh, Seattle. McLaughlin, maybe? Yeah. He, was, he used to do the old Rob Ray thing. Like, he'd get geared down, he was covering taps, and by the end of the fight, you only, you're only trying to hold on to, like, his uh, chest care, you know? Like, and it was just like, they didn't really have, they weren't very strict with those, uh, with those rules yet. So everyone's trying to get advantage, for sure. Just like oh, yeah. they were, you know, 20, 20, 30 years ago. They were still doing that in the early 2000s in junior hockey, you know? There's, no one really cared, like, at the end of the day, like, was it making a big difference? Yeah, maybe, maybe here and there, but at the end of the day, like, the best guys, the toughest guys were in the fights, whether you had, uh, you know, it's a uh, tie down or not, but, uh, uh, those are just, those are just survival skills, man. I remember just putting, I remember knowing that I had to fight, I had to put some Vaseline around the eyes, the eyes and nose and chins and stuff like that. It was just like, you had to, yep. you know, you had to tape up, tape up the wrist, like, you had to get ready for war. And if you didn't, someone's going to find someone to to replace your ass that was willing to do it. So that was kind of all part of the, the responsibility of that, of that role. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll just kind of wrap up here. Your last uh, last couple seasons in the East Coast League, you uh, you were in Rapid City and in Quad City. And um, what, what was that? Uh, what was the East Coast like at the time? What was it like? Uh, rolling through there because i mean at that point you had never like it wasn't like you went east coast ahl you were just ahl the whole time so to uh uh kind of close out in the east coast league how did that go oh i hated it yeah i just hated it i just never had it i never had a taste before i was broken i was like broken physically and and i was beyond uh mentally uh, capable of being repaired. I was just, I was just spent. I, I, I had some unfortunate, uh, you know, right after I kind of reinvented myself, I had some unfortunate injuries. Uh, and I just couldn't, I was, I was just burnt out. I was spent. And then I, uh, that's, uh, you know, the four letter league is, is a lot different, man. It was just like, I was in, I was under high stress, you know, like, uh, you know, my wife was pregnant. Um, uh, you know, my salary has been like, uh, my paychecks have been like sliced and in, in, in half multiple times. You know, I got this baby on the way. I'm playing in this this league. I'm thinking like, you know, realistically, like my career is like coming to an end. I was just, you know, I had some different, uh, you know, yeah. I'm gonna just say it. Like, I didn't have some great coaches. I I think they're like in the end, they're they're decent people, but uh, I don't think they're really qualified to to do to coach and such and. uh Towards the end of it, uh, I was just done. I was I was on a couple of really bad teams, like basement teams, and I was just spent. And I uh, I, I I I reacted in some really really bad ways that I'm like I'm still pretty embarrassed about till this day. You know, like when I was in Rapid City, I was uh, I was just I was I was pretty pissed off, and uh, I ended up sticking this guy right in the face. I ended up. Like what? One of the side of his, I catch him. I catch him right in the side of the the mouth, and now, now he looks like uh, half his face looks like the Joker. You know, like and that's just that was kind of bullshit bullshit move by me. So I was definitely like the wires were were were, were crossing way way easier than they, than they used to, and I just knew like my patience were were kind of running out. And then then the last play I ever made in, in professional hockey is that this guy came off the bench. And he's yapping and. I warned him, I was like, dude, I'm not in the mood. And he kind of kept poking at the bear and 
I grabbed him and I just kind of I caught him with a good one and I I was just ready to kind of squeeze the life out of his out of his body. So uh, and I was that was really kind of last time I played and uh, not the way I kind of drew it up, but uh, you know that's how it goes. But up to that time and from, you know my first fight and you know against Wade Scully to the last one, there was a lot of good times in between and a lot of good moments, a lot of high points, a lot of low points, and uh, met a lot of good people. So it's uh, you know. Well, you're a little bit emotional about it for sure. So, but uh, you know, it, it, was, it was a great time. Well, fuck, man, you had a hell of a run, hell of a career, and uh, yeah, the uh, I know the incident you're talking about there in Quad City was against Fort Wayne and uh, Justin McDonald, and uh, I was watching. Well, it was interesting because I was watching it last night, and uh, yeah, like you said, he's he's lined up beside you, running his mouth, and you can tell just on the look on your face, you're telling them, uh, you know, settle down, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I I I guess that's I guess it's that's 2017 2018 hockey for you. I guess. Cause, I mean, if you had yeah. done that back in 2005, nothing. You, hell, you probably would have got four minutes for it, and life goes on. Instead, yeah, they give you yeah, 14, exactly. 14 games, and oh my god, it's the end of the world. And but I'm yeah. like, well, this dude was just running his mouth and asking for it. And I like somebody called. I was reading the article, and they called it a sucker punch. I I said I've never understood how it can be a sucker punch when you <laughs> tell the guy you're going to do yeah. it. You know? Yeah. I mean, I yeah, get... No, I, you know. I remember the conversation. And he's just like, well... He's just like, well, what are you going to fucking do about it? It's not going to put a goddamn owner in. And, and, I, and I said, I mean, he's like, oh, yeah? Yeah? So well, let's see it. And I was just like, well, damn. I was like, all right. So, yeah. Unfortunately, that's what the world we live in now. Was it right? No. No. I think the punishment played didn't match what would happen, but, uh, you know, like I said, that's, you know, you and me both know and agree that, you know, that's the kind of world we're living in now. And, uh, you know, I think this, I think the biggest thing is, you know, I really love the game that where it's headed right now. Like I love the speed, the skill set and everything, uh, you know, you know, for someone that's been in so many fights over the last, you know, since, since I left home at 16, you know, like, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't think guys are going to have to, uh, should have to fight. You know, we talk about the cats and the truck, you know, the recent, you know, like, you can do whatever you want, but uh, at the end of the day, you got to be, you got to take some kind of uh, responsibility for the actions that you're handing out. And, you know, like I said earlier, it's like, if you play stupid games, sometimes you win super prizes. And it's just like, it's just, you know, have some respect. You know, you just like, now, now the game is just so catered to, you know, you, there's really no need to have responsibility for your own for your own actions you know some guy that's wearing a suit you know in the office in toronto is, is uh hey he's 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 gonna protect me so that's kind of just you know this that's just how it is you know so uh, it's, uh well that's a, that was always that been that, that's always been my complaint about it right with the new stuff it's like okay yeah i get guys aren't gonna fight 30 times a year anymore and all that okay yeah. but the problem is that you've removed all the consequences you know, yeah. no one's scared of anybody anymore. So you can just run around like yeah. a donkey and you never have to yeah. back anything up anymore. So, yeah, I, w- I was like that too. Like even like, you know, not every time, like I ran someone over, I didn't answer the bell. I was just like, dude, like I'm not, it was a clean hit. I'm not going to fight you. Yeah. You know, maybe later, you know, if the situation, you know, comes up again, maybe I'll decide. But I like, you know, I was a guy that, uh, you know, guys that you're going trying to finish 
every check, like, guy, you never get to play. You'd be in the box the whole game or never, if you had to, like, fight every time there was, uh, you know, you know, someone got knocked on their ass, you know, like, it's like, I understand that, but, uh, you know, um, yeah, like, if you, if you hand out dirty hits, like, or talk shit, you know, like, loose, loose lips, think shit, man, like, I, I still really believe that, and uh, I just like to see guys take a little more responsibility instead of like hiding behind some guy that's uh, his job is to handle suspensions. Like, just take, be a man, and just be, you know, take care of yourself physically as well. You know, protect yourself. If you don't want to fight, sure enough, take it. But you know, we're all trying to achieve the you know goal and, and play with honor and uh, respect, and I think that's just everyone should really focus on. Absolutely. Well, oh, before I was going to ask you. Um, Kind of in, at any point, did you ever think about going over to uh, Europe? Did you ever talk to any of the uh, British teams? Yeah, I did. I actually was in talk with a lot of uh, teams over there kind of right after I, I think that was like the, it's kind of that year I, I had injuries. I had like a hernia. I broke my neck and I only played about six games, but uh, it was really hard to find a job only playing like, uh, you know, only playing six games, you know, I'm trying to like, uh, you know, try, I'll try to plead a case like, well, yeah, but the year before when I was healthy, I had, you know, a career highs and this, and this, and this, you know, like, but, um, like, you know, my wife was pregnant, uh, just the timing just wasn't right. So it was definitely a missed opportunity that I really, really regret that happened. But, um, with not being able to go, um, go play overseas that's definitely something i wish i had the opportunity to do but uh maybe in another lifetime hopefully well, I, well and i i feel like it's such a schmuck here i just like completely glazed over yeah in 15 16 there when you played the six games um the neck injury um what happened there yeah i just took a bad spell bad spell and uh i went to the chiropractor the next day and i uh you know, to this day, I don't even know if I even, if I even broke it with the fall or or um, that chiropractor broke it. I, I, I think it might have been like the chiropractor broke my neck. My neck was, was really sore, and uh, when he cracked my neck, I had a lightning bolt go up and down on my right side, man. It was the most excruciating pain ever. I felt, I felt like I just wanted to die right there on the, on the medical bed. But uh, so I, I dealt with that. Came back, then I think I played a couple more games. After that, wasn't wasn't ready physically. I uh, had like a severe hernia surgery, so it was it was a tough. For I was excited to go back uh, to Grand Rapids, play for Todd Nelson again. You know they were committed about putting a really good winning team again, possibly win a a Calder Cup and being a part of that. Or oh, I felt really excited about it, but injuries just kind of got the best of me. So. Uh, you know, just unfortunate how it goes, but uh, yeah, you know, everything everything's about timing, man. It's about about who you meet and who believes in you and believing in yourself. So it's a uh, funny funny business like that. Well, there. Um, well, um, hey, like that, that was a that was a lot of fun going over your career, man. Looking back, and uh, like you said, you had a hell of a run, and it was fun to uh, you know, as a fan in the Western League. I mean, watching you. You know, I remember the the, the long haired, blonde haired guy in Lethbridge rumbling out there in the brawl. I remember watching you, and then the, the Giants. And uh, as as a fan, it was a real it was a, it was a fun it was fun to watch you. You were uh, you were entertaining, and uh, no, this has been great talking to you. And uh, what what uh, what is what is Tristan Grant doing today? What are you up to these days? Yeah, yeah, my wife and I were we're 
before with before with uh, duties with her, her daughter that'll be three in um, in May. We're living in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, my wife's a realtor. I've kind of been trying to different things. You know, transition after hockey hasn't been. Uh, it's been challenging at times for sure. So I've gone into done a little bit of home remodeling. I'm currently uh, an insurance agent at Mass Mutual in town. Here, uh, you know, I really like that. It's challenging building a clientele and such. Um, so keeping busy, I think eventually like to get into get like my builder's license, uh, flip some homes, kind of work with my hands in a different way. <laughs> so yeah. uh, and, and just kind of be able to kind of get get on get along with the, the next chapter of my life. So uh, you know, I'd say it felt like that was uh, you know coming on here was definitely kind of maybe a, a necessity to kind of. Um, maybe close one chapter and move on to another one. So I uh, appreciate you giving me the platform today. And, uh, and I, I, uh, I have lots of respect for what you're doing and what your beliefs are. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I uh, look forward to, to may possibly doing this again. Oh, uh, absolutely. We're going to definitely have you back on it, uh, yeah. for sure. And, uh, I always talk about, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind doing some round tables, get like a couple X players on here and, uh, and kind of just throw out ideas and let you guys all, Oh, banter about it. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That'd be great. I, I, I have nothing respect for, like, uh, you know, the, the Mike Scroys, the John Morasti, the, you know, the Derek Harkins, and just all, you know, the boot guards, the, Ricky, the, the Rick Ripians, man. Like, there's a lot of guys that paid, all, paid a lot of prices, and, uh, you know, it's always, it always uh, you know, fun to, like, uh, uh, touch base with guys that have been into the same situation as you. It wasn't easy. No one's, you know, I don't think anybody you probably like you've had on your podcast you talked to said that, yeah, it was easy, you know, but, uh, you know, it was, it was a grind for sure, but, uh, you know, most of us would say, like, hey, if we had a chance to do it over again, we would do it again and again. So, at, uh, I was gonna, you know, I was gonna I, say, I, I, every one of them has said they would do it over again in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, for sure. So, yeah, I got I got enough of the mad respect for all the guys that battled against over the years, and uh, you know, it, uh, enough of that respect for sure. Well, that's excellent, man. And like I said, nothing but uh, on this side of the microphone, nothing but respect for you and and the boys that that go out and do it. And I mean, that's why I'm doing the show, right? It's uh, you know, people aren't tuning in to listen to me. It's not about me talking. It's for platform right. for you. Or it's platform for you guys to share your stories. Yeah. And uh, and no, I can't thank you enough for coming on. And uh, and uh, I I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. You bet, Darren. Appreciate All right, it. my pleasure. Hey, thank you. Have a good night. Thanks. You do the same. All right. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 